Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Saskatchewan's number one sports talk show is on. And now starting an hour earlier, welcome inside the Radio Octagon. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Here's your host, Michael Ball. And away we go. Welcome to another edition of the Sports Cage. And we're out of the cage, out of the studio today in the bowels of the Conexus Art Center for the Regina Rams Sportsman Dinner. I believe it's the 54th Sportsman's Dinner. Nice fundraiser for the football team. And we'll get into that in a second. We do want to tell you this show is a presentation of our friends at the Canadian Brew House. Each Thursday, they sponsor the show. And Simply Spiked Lemonade is new to the CBH. Four bold, full-flavored, fizzy choices for you to enjoy. All our guests come to you via the Western Pizza Hotline, dinner time, game time, anytime. Great time to order Western Pizza. And our text line, you can always reach out to us at 936-6262. It's our text line, and it's powered by our friends at the Capital Auto Group. You can call that number locally, too. We do have a couple of spots during the day. Uh, here in the show, where we'll take some of your calls, 936-6262 locally or one 767 Lots to get to. This just broke before we came to the airwaves here. Uh, at long last, the deal is done. Lamar Jackson's agreed to terms on a contract with the Ravens through 2027, the team announced today. Um, now, no money has been uh, revealed at this point, but they say it's a... Um, traditional quarterback structure, meaning he's not expected to get the fully guaranteed contract the Browns gave Deshaun Watson, something he was looking for for the last couple of years. Instead, his numbers will will more likely be in line with uh, Jalen Hurts' deal that he just signed with the Eagles. And it comes just on the uh, verge of the NFL draft night number one tonight, going down in Kansas City. The first overall selection will go to the Carolina Panthers. And uh, the over-under, actually, is 4.5 on how many quarterbacks will be taken tonight in round one. The likes of Bryce Young, who's the odds-on favor to be taken number one. Will Levis out of Kentucky. C.J. Stroud, who is um, from Ohio State. Blaine Wyland's back at the station, by the way. Blaine Richardson, he's Florida. Am I right when I say that? Yep. And then uh, Hooker is the guy out of Tennessee. He's a guy that's 25 years old, has, uh, you know, he's coming off a knee uh, situation, ACL tear, but he does throw a nice ball and he's a pretty good quarterback. Uh, nobody really worried about Joe Burrow's age coming out, although I wouldn't compare Hooker to Burrow in terms of talent just yet. So I'm going to ask you, Blaine, over under 4.5. Will there be five quarterbacks taken in this round or four? I'm going to go with five. I think Hooker's going to be... Some team's going to trade back in for Hooker in late in the first round. How about Minnesota 23? Kirk Cousins is there probably for only one more year. He could develop behind Kirk Cousins. I, I could see him going to Minnesota at 23. Yeah, I definitely could see that. Um, you know, the, the spot I'm kind of interested in is a 12 with Houston. If they go defense at two, they could trade right back up into the top 10 and take a quarterback. Uh, there's some teams that 
in terms of that backup quarterback, second quarterback, a lot of mystery heading into tonight. We're going to see, too, if there will be some trades made. We don't know if DeAndre Hopkins will be traded uh, You know, out of Arizona. He's still got some tread left on the tires. Um, also, Austin Eckler, who wants a new contract uh, with the uh, L.A. Chargers, but they don't want to extend him. He's got one year left on his deal, so we'll see what happens there. Apparently, teams have reached out, too. You usually see some of these trades made on draft day. Uh, of course, I started by talking about the Rams dinner, and uh, we've got Tavon Campbell. Defensive back for the Jacksonville Jags and a graduate of the Rams program. Jorgen Hughes, long snapper for the Rough Riders, graduate of this program. Mitch Pickton, the boldest golden son, Regina Ram, and uh, now a Saskatchewan Rough Rider. He'll be here. Farron Churchill, Alberta boy, coming here to play out his university ball with the Rams and then went on to win the Grey Cup with the Argonauts. He's on stage, as is Trevor Harris in town. First first of many over the next little bit before training camp gets started. So we'll get uh, up person close no, with uh, up close and personal pardon me, with Trevor Harris. CFL announced today that the CBS Sports Network is going to carry 34 CFL games in the U.S. this year as part of a new multi-year deal. Quote, we're looking forward to working closely with CBS Sports Network to serve our loyal fans in the U.S. and grow our base there, said the commissioner. Uh, so, yeah, what they're going to do is um, start with uh, the uh, kickoff weekend, and they're also going to uh, really uh, hunker down uh, from Labor Day. And, and that's something that... Um, it's going to be interesting to see. Now, I think before uh, when when the CFL was on ESPN, they only got about one hundred and fifty to two hundred thousand dollars, which is a you know a spit in the bucket when it comes to uh, revenue for a league. But um, and and maybe they'd have more exposure there uh, with the USFL. So hopefully they got more money in this deal. Uh, CBS saying they're going to promote the games instead of it just showing up on on a TV feed, which is what a lot of American fans complained about. And uh, it does uh, get piped into 60 million homes. So uh, that's some good news. Here's a little shocker. Veteran Canadian linebacker Chris Ackes decided to retire from the CFL. The 31-year-old was scheduled to earn over $150,000 in the final year of his contract. Cambridge, Ontario native was selected in the first round, fourth overall during the 2015 CFL draft by the Els ultra-athletic defender, and he shot up the prospect ratings with his uh, great combine. He recorded a 4.6740, 7.09 in the three-cone, uh, 40-inch vert, 10-foot, uh, 11.5-inch broad jump. And during his playing uh, career, 92 games over seven seasons with the Owls and Red Blacks, making 226 D tackles, uh, 25 special teams tackles, eight sacks, five picks, four forced fumbles, and he scored one defensive touchdown. And his best year came in 2021 when he made 48 tackles, six sacks, Two INTs in 14 games. We'll talk to John Hodge about him and other CFL-related things after 4.30. We haven't forgot to tell you about the NHL. Leafs hosting Tampa tonight. The uh, Tampa Bay Lightning down three games to one. Andre Vasilevsky has been terrible in the net for the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning, like beerly goalie-like. So I expect a big game from him. I still think Toronto will probably win the game tonight, but I hope they lose just to see Leaf Nation go, like, absolutely lose their mind. Don't, don't, aren't you, uh, uh, Blaine? I, I want to see Leaf Nation lose their mind tonight. Uh, 
remember, I'm going to Toronto this weekend, so I'm not too sure. I want to I I walk into that. I want to be a more happy atmosphere out there, you know? Like, <laughs> I don't know. I mean... Uh, Quit there, being it, selfish, Blaine. It's <laughs> always better when the Leafs lose. Just one round. Yeah, I mean, it's only been, what, 2004 since they've been to the second round. I know. It's crazy. <laughs> I, I, they're going to win the series, I think, but I would love to see them uh, just freak out on Twitter tonight. It would be great. Uh, Jets at Vegas. Basically, the Jets are out of body. Shifley's not playing. Morrissey's not playing. And Nikolai Ehlers probably not playing as well. Vegas has been playing a lot better. Uh, leading them in playoff scoring right now is our own Chandler Stevenson, former Regina Pat and friend of the show. And this has been a road series. Rangers at Devils. Uh, Rangers took the first two at New Jersey. Devils came back and won the last two at MSG. They're back in uh, New Jersey tonight. I think the Devils will win this one and uh, really put the screws to the Rangers. How about last night? The Seattle crack and knock off the Colorado Avalanche. Three to two. And they're now up three games to two going back to Seattle. So they're loving their first taste of the playoffs. And the Bruins absolutely, you know what, kicked Florida. But Allmark, the goalie, who's usually good playing the puck, comes out, gets it a little nonchalant. Matthew Kachuk, his nemesis scores. And the uh, Florida Panthers uh, still in the series, down three games to two. And if you're Boston, like, come on, clean that up and finish it off. You, you know, Bergeron's banged up. We don't know if Krejci's going to play yet. So uh, that was a that was kind of a costly loss for Boston. And uh, in the NBA, Jimmy Butler at 42 points as the Heat beat the Bucks 128-126 in overtime. Just the sixth time in NBA playoff history that an eighth seed beat a one seed. I'll tell you what, man. And and Giannis missed half the series, so that's a big key. But that's a colossal collapse by Zinger's Bucks. Like, that wasn't like uh, it went to a Game 7 and they lost in overtime. They lost in five games. Like, embarrassing for the Milwaukee Bucks. We'll talk to Zinger about that and other things on the other side as he is in England taking in some soccer. That's right. We'll go across the pond and catch up with our buddy Sean Kleisinger next. It's the sports cage from the Rams Sportsman's Dinner at the Connexus Art Center here on 620 CKRM. Now bringing you three hours of the hottest sports talk. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Thursday show is brought to you by the Canadian Brew House. Go check out everything on their new CBH menu. They got the fizzy lemonades for you. Four bold fizzy choices for you to enjoy. Got a great menu, like I said, and all the great sports. NHL hockey tonight. We got the Leafs and the Lightning. Leafs trying to finish it off remarkably. Uh, you can watch the NBA, but you can't watch this guy's team anymore. Sean Kleisinger from England joining us. Your Bucks lost. Did you get a chance to watch it, and did you throw anything? Yeah, so this is what this call is about, huh? You just want me to check in and make fun of me because my team's out? Yeah, I watched it last night. I watched it on my phone, and uh, I'm not impressed. I'm upset, obviously. I mean, we lost to an eight seed, but that's the way she goes. Jimmy Butler, he was the best player in the series, and usually in basketball, the team that has the best player in the series will win the series, and our best player was on the bench for half the series, so that's what happened, Baldy. Yeah, bruised ass for sure. Hey, are you uh, are you happy? I think the Packers fleeced Aaron Rodgers, uh, fleeced the Jets for Aaron Rodgers. Oh, uh, when I saw that news, first of all, a lot has happened since I've been away. I mean, the Bucs have been eliminated. Rodgers officially traded, but when I saw the news that Rodgers was dealt, the 
thing that I loved about it most was uh, next year's pick. It's a second rounder, but it can move up to a, a first rounder if Rodgers plays 65% of the snaps this year for the Jets. So that right away is like, okay, well, that's you can pretty much bank it. That's going to be a first rounder next year. So we move up two spots in this year's draft from 15 to 13. We add a second round pick to this year's draft as well. And then like, yeah, like we totally win the trade. I'm very happy about it. Still very weird seeing Rodgers hold up that number eight jersey uh, with the Jets. And then actually yesterday I was at Stamford Bridge um, before the Chelsea and Brentford game. And I got the notification on my phone that Aaron Rodgers uh, press conference was about to happen with the New York Jets. So I opened up YouTube and I was watching it in the stadium, but I couldn't hear it. So I just kind of put it up to my ear. So I wasn't watching it. I was just listening to it. Yeah. So uh, Rogers is following me around everywhere, man. But uh, yeah, I'm, answer your question. I'm very happy about the the picks that we got. And uh, Zinger and Ballsy pr- uh, correctly predicted he'd take number eight because that's what he wore in college. So there you go, number eight. At least at least that's he wasn't right. so arrogant to take Namath's number uh, twelve. Okay, let's get to England first off. Before the soccer, what was your what was your initial like? What were you thinking England was going to be like, and did it line up with how you thought it would be? Yeah, it's uh, it's not as much of a culture shock as what it was when I went to Germany years ago because, well, first of all, they speak English here, right? So it's, <laughs> when I when I went to Germany, they were speaking a different language. So that alone, it's much easier to get around. Um, definitely, the the buildings are and stuff are a lot older than I mean in Regina, but overall, it's. It's just another place, man, you know. And don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to downplay it and be like, oh, yeah, England's not a big deal. It's just, yeah, it's it, it's nice. But uh, once you are in it for a couple of days, it's kind of like, yeah, it's, you know, it's not something that I would, uh, like, recommend someone to come see if they're not, like, a, a huge fan of a sport or if they don't want to, you know, but... I'm glad I'm here, man. I'm yeah. Glad. So, did you tell the people why you went to uh, England? You're doing it yourself. Your family, wife, and uh, kid, Casper, wife Lydia, they're going to do something else. But why are you doing this? Uh, what was the pur- uh, purpose for it? Yeah. So, my great grandmother, uh, Agnes Lowe, she was born in uh, Plumstead, England, which is uh, just on the outskirts of London here. And she uh, moved to Canada with her family back in 1910. And uh, she was only 16 years old at the time. And my mom has always talked about how her grandmother was from England. And my granddad always used to talk about it as well. So it's always been a thing that I wanted to go see. So my first day here in England, I actually uh, hopped on the train and I took the train out east to Plumstead and uh, just kind of walked around. And I went to the very first site where Arsenal FC, the Arsenal soccer team, Premier League, um, their very first site where their stadium used, uh, used to be, it was in Plumstead. And just kind of walked around the area, looked at the houses, went into a couple stores. Just kind of, I sat on a bench for about 15, 20 minutes and just kind of, you know, I don't want to say got got emotional. I don't want to say that, but I just kind of just reflected on, uh, on my family history. And I just thought about, uh, you know, how things came to be. So that was really meaningful for me to to be able to go where my great uh, great grandmother was from, because I've heard people talk about it all my life, and uh, to me, for me to be there, it was kind of it was surreal in a way, man. I enjoyed it. And so, what's the uh, Premier League soccer like? Tell me about that. You went and watched Chelsea. 
Yeah, Chelsea played Brentford last night at Stamford Bridge, and Chelsea, they're not doing too great this year. They're sitting like mid-table, so they're about 11th place-ish, and they were playing Brentford. And Brentford, this is only like their third year in the Premier League, and they've been around since like 1890-something, but this is only their third season in the top-flight league in England, so a big deal for Brentford and surprisingly for them and their fans they're doing quite well this year Brentford and yesterday they uh, were playing Chelsea obviously at Stamford Bridge and Brentford uh, won two to uh, two I was going to say two to nil but I'll go through that they won two to nothing <laughs> uh, so, you got to say you got to yeah, hey, hey you got to you got to stick with this uh, local soccer lingo how many people were there uh, thir- uh, just over thirty nine thousand, so it was a uh, it was a sellout. Yeah, Stamford Bridge. It's a it's an older stadium. It's it's undergone some renovations over the years and stuff. Obviously, it, it opened like early nineteen hundreds. But uh, you wouldn't you wouldn't know when you walk into the stadium. It's pretty much looking brand new, but the seating capacity is just under uh, uh, thirty nine thousand. Actually, the game that I uh, went to tonight was Tottenham versus Manchester United. That's the stadium where uh, all the NFL games basically happen when they come over here to London. That's where the Packers lost to the New York Giants last year, and that stadium is over uh, 60,000, approaching 70,000. So, yeah, it was cool to see Tottenham and uh, uh, Manchester uh, Manchester United tonight as well. And what's that like? What what Just what is it like? Is it a lot of singing? Is it just constant activity in the stands at least? Yeah, you, you know, you'll talk to people and they'll be like, hey, there's nothing like the atmosphere at a English soccer game. And in a way, that's that's true because there is a part of the stadium where it's just constant cheering and constant uh, noise throughout the whole game. But that's usually just only one part of the stadium. And that's usually just behind one of the behind one of the nets. That's like the cheering crowd. That's like where all the, uh, you know, all the backers and all the club members sit. So those people, they stand up all game long holding their scarves, chanting songs, singing songs. But the rest of the stadium, it's kind of more of like a CFL or NFL type of game for those people. They they stand up and cheer, and then they sit down uh, when the game kind of reacts to them doing so, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people think that the whole stadium is up in arms and chanting the whole game when really it's not the case. It's just one section of the stadium. But the only difference is from the feel of when you're going to like a American or a Canadian football league game is there's always that constant noise in the background throughout the whole play. Uh, but uh, it's it's really cool, man. I like it. It's a little bit different of a feel. If I had to pick what environment I like better, I would rather have, you know, 33,000 screaming fans at Mosaic Stadium standing up on like a second and long when the Winnipeg Blue Bombers are on offense having 33,000 people screaming at the top of their lungs rather than having, say, about 12,000 people chanting and singing songs throughout the game. So if I had to choose what environment I like better, I would have to go with the Canadian slash American Football League environment. I love it, man. I've never, lastly, I've never, it's one place I've never wanted to go. I've never thought about going to England. <laughs> people people say you should go. It's just, that in New York City, I have no desire. Because when I think of those two, I think of uh, dreary and just cloudy and buildings and everything like that. Am I right? Yeah, actually, I have, we haven't seen much sun, uh, sunshine since I've been here. It's been cloudy. It kind of feels like Vancouver weather. It, I know we're having uh, suits on today, so it's feeling like his type of weather out here. Yeah. It's kind of dreary. Yeah. Kind of, it's kind of depressing. Not gonna lie, but uh, who's who's to say that I should be? 
the press. People are listening to this thinking, you're in England, you're not the press. Come on. Yeah, so go uh, on. Yeah, so go fun, on. Man. I'm looking forward to getting back. You're going to have some tea and crumpets maybe, right? I had a couple of cups of tea. I, apparently, when you want a cup of tea here, you just got to say cuppa. That's but, all you got to say. And I learned that about two days in, and I'm still trying to get used to this lingo here. Is that, is that pretty good? <laughs> pretty, you like my lingo? That's pretty good. Your lingo is good. Uh, are you going to watch the NFL draft later or check it out or what? Oh, absolutely, man. Yes, I, I've been, I've been, you know, I've had my finger on the pulse on the American sports scene. The Blue Jays, they swept the Chicago White yeah. Sox. That was beautiful to see. They haven't allowed a run in like uh, two games now, and I think they only allowed two runs in that three-game series. Of course, we already talked about my Bucks. They lost. Aaron Rodgers traded. How about our Oilers? Uh, how about how about our Oilers zinger? How about our Oilers? Oh, that's right too. Yeah, I've been, I've been, I've been checking on the Oilers. Three-two series lead. Uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs. They have us uh, their series lead as well. I saw their general manager was barking at some Tampa Bay Lightning fans from up in the press box. Yeah, real Don't classy. Know how I feel about that. Yeah, real classy. Yeah, real classy. Eh. That's gonna come back and bite them. By the way, once the once the Leafs blow the series. You know, he's going to get fired, and that's going to that's going to be carried with him for the rest of his career. You do, you do realize that, right? It's hilarious. Hey, Zinger, have a good rest of the trip, and we'll see you when you when you come back. You hit the ground running. We got the the CFL draft when you get here. It's circled on my calendar, baby. May second, Tuesday. Let's go. Let's go. See you, buddy. See you, man. Thanks. Time for your sports ticker, and we will tell you here from the Rams Sports Dinners where we're emanating from. Uh, Tavon Campbell, Jorgen Hughes, Mitchell Pickton, Theron Churchill are on the stage as it's the Rams and the pros kind of theme, and they're also joined by Trevor Harris, quarterback of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. He's got a few public appearances before the Riders start training camp in Saskatoon. CFL announced Thursday that um, CBS Sports Network will carry 34 games in the U.S. this year as part of a new multi-year deal. And, uh, yeah, so it's going to be great. The uh, the games on the CBS Sports Network will feature the league's season opener and its traditional holiday weekend uh, matchups, including the Labor Day weekend. And they're going to do uh, more promotion of the league so it just doesn't pop up on 60 million CBS Sports Network feeds. Veteran Canadian linebacker Chris Ackes decided to retire from the Alouettes. A 31-year-old was scheduled to make over $150,000 in the final year of his contract. NHL tonight, the Leafs can finish off the Lightning with a win in Toronto up three games to one. The Knights can finish off the visiting Jets at the Fortress in Vegas with a win. And the Rangers and Devils are deadlocked at two apiece. Uh, Devils on home ice tonight. Number one pick in the draft tonight, NFL draft round one goes in Kansas City, and the first pick goes to the Carolina Panthers. And just before we went to the air, it was confirmed Lamar Jackson is staying in Baltimore. It's a five-year deal, no word on how much he's getting guaranteed or uh, any structure in terms of the uh, money, although we know it's not fully guaranteed. It's called the traditional quarterback structured contract. And that's your sports ticker. It's time to pump you up. Get the latest in fitness and lifestyle tips with one of Canada's top fitness trainers, Tish Duffy. This is Train with Tish on the Sports Cage.
Well, Tish Duffy, our resident health and lifestyle expert, is enjoying her walk once again. Hey, Tish, but I got news for you. Here in Regina, the snow's gone, and we're going to be 26 next week, so we're pretty pumped here, too. You can't rub it in now. Wow, that is awesome. I'm happy for you guys. It's nothing like uh, snow in the spring, so good. I'm glad that you are finally enjoying spring weather. And I'll tell you what, uh, I, uh, I'm i not a big treadmill guy. I don't like doing the treadmill. I'll do it uh, because basically you have to for a lot of the year, but I'm more of a ride-the-bike-walk-outside kind of guy. Perfect. Even better. Yeah. Are you that way, though, too? Do you like getting out more outside than inside? A hundred percent. I mean, there's not a lot of excuse for me to be inside any time of the year. Uh, I know I have a couple of clients in in Edmonton that live in pretty cold, icy, uh, uh, you know, months. And and so walking and getting a good, healthy pace outside is a little bit harder for them. But always, always, if you can get outside, put the layers on, peel them off as you get warm is always better. uh, Walking in nature is also soothing for the soul. So, um, we're conditioning not only our hearts to the walking, but by being outside, experiencing the fresh air and the smells, is good just for the, the mental wellness as well. One of the key uh, muscles in our body is our abs. It helps uh, for a lot of things. It, it actually helps your back out. If you've got a weak core, a weak stomach, uh, it, it hurts your back. But as you said in one of your social posts on Train with Tish, that's where you can find all her stuff. Abs aren't abs aren't uh, developed in the gym per se, at least solely, right? Right. I mean, I, I used to have a client that would do, uh, you know, one of her goals was to get rid of some of that unwanted body fat around her midsection. And so I, I noticed uh, on her uh, training schedule that she was always incorporating extra core. Uh, and I finally reached out to her and, and just said, like, what is the purpose of, of doing that with someone? Did someone tell you that? Is a physio trying to tell you to? I, I had no idea. This is definitely not something I would program. And she said, no, I just know that this is a, a problem area for me. So first of all, you can't really spot reduce. You can't really out train or area. Uh, generally, we lose uh, body fat in the areas that we've had it the, the less often. So, for example, if you're just if you've just decided or just started putting on some body fat around the midsection, that is where the fat's going to come off first. Where it's been there the longest, it will take a little longer. This is a little side note, but um, yeah. So I just said to her, you know, first of all, strength training engages the core. So even if you didn't do uh, a, an actual sit up or a crunchy or a plank, as long as you're incorporating some heavy lifting in your workout schedule. Those abs are engaging. Um, but when we, but we talk about a lot of times wanting to see those abs. First of all, it's not necessary, especially for a woman to see abs. It usually means we're underweight. Uh, and in some cases, and in most cases for men as well. But if you do want a smaller waist, which is obviously healthy, we have to be mindful of what we're putting in our bodies. So I always say you can train your muscles and your abs four or five times a week. But if your diet isn't complementing those efforts, you're definitely, especially in that area, not going to see any changes. You can follow her on Train with Tish uh, at any of the social media sites in here every Thursday. Thanks for your time. My pleasure, Michael. Have a great day. We're talking sports on your way home. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM.
Thursday shows for our good friends at the Canadian Brew House. All our guests come to you on the Western Pizza Hotline. Let's head out there. It's one of my favorite people to talk to, not just in junior hockey, but hockey in general. Longtime WHL broadcaster and a golf expert, too. He's in the golf business, Bill Wilms. First off, Bill, before I get to the WHL, welcome to the show. And I've never asked your opinion on this. It's a polarizing topic. Uh, do you care one way or the other, PGA or live? Do you have an opinion? Oh boy, I, I really do, uh, and, and I'll keep it short. Um, I, I am a big proponent of team golf. Uh, I believe that uh, the future. If you look ten years down the road, you're going to see. Uh, I believe, and in, in my mind, that you're going to see kind of the same stuff as you see Ryder Cup. You're, instead of having Europe playing against uh, the U.S., you're going to see possibly Team Titleist. You're going to see Team Akushnet. You're going to see Team uh, Cobra. You're going to see. Uh, uh, you know, corporate uh, names of teams that are playing that kind of team golf. But, Michael, you got to get out of this whole concept of uh, a stroke play, that that uh, the tournament is won by somebody who's got the lowest score after, uh, you know, the, the, the four rounds of golf. I was fortunate enough to be on eight British Columbia golf teams uh, where, you know, when the Canadian championship was being played, each province in that tournament had four man teams that represented the province. And once you get into that concept where it's team, uh, which is college golf, college golf in the U S is all about team golf. Once that catches on with big-time corporate sponsorship behind it, I think you'll see it make a pretty good move. Much like uh, curling in Canada or F1 in racing, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, th- this is a case where now you play – uh, you're hired, Mike. I hire you to play for my team. Yeah. Uh, and, and I'm going to give you a three, four, five-year contract. Now, you're going to play hard, and fans, once the fans get behind this, trust me, uh, you're going to see, and I don't know how much they are at this point, but you'll see something happen. Yeah, no, that's, that's an excellent point, Bill. Let's talk Western Hockey League playoffs, man. I will tell you what. I, you've been around longer than me to watch this. Uh, the top four teams are the teams left in the WHL. And first off, tip of the cap to the Saskatoon Blades. Uh, listen, the Pats were like 30 seconds away from eliminating them. They would have been up three nothing. And I think the Blades, although they showed they can come back from three nothing down, but I think they would have been done. I don't think they beat the Pats four in a row. And then they go down because they're tied against Red Deer, but scrapped their way back. That's just a great effort by Brennan Sonny and his team. Yeah, I, I mean, when you look at Seattle Kamloops on this side of the mountains and Saskatoon and Winnipeg over there, uh, you know, you've got the only four teams that got 100-plus points in the league. That's, that's fantastic. I have never seen a WHL uh, semifinal West and and East Conference Final uh, in each side of the mountains, as I said, with this kind of points, with these kind of teams. And, you know, you look at the playoffs, uh, I mean, it's it's only really Saskatoon has had any problem in playoffs. They had two seven-game series, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the other teams have swept. Uh, it, it's fantastic to me as to what we're seeing here. And, and, Mike, let me just throw something out to you. When you look at these four teams, and, and, and this is – kind of staggering it's kind of mind-blowing but it is a fact uh they talk about uh about hockey being a 60-minute game it, it, it's not it, it's a 40-minute game and especially when these four teams are involved let me tell you the Kamloops Blazers when winning after two periods are 35 and 0 Seattle when winning after two periods 40 and 0 
How about Saskatoon when winning after 40 minutes, 36 and one, and Winnipeg when winning after 40, 45 and 0. I'll do the math for you, Michael. This is a <laughs> these two teams when they're winning after 40 minutes are 178 wins and one loss. You can't come back on them. They get a lead, you better find a way to be tougher and uh, able to come from behind because this is an uh, incredible, it's an astounding record to me of how well these teams, the only team with the loss, after, and this is including right into the playoffs, are the Blades, one time, 36-1 after leading after 40 minutes. So uh, with all due respect right now with Connor Bedard, 100% due respect, what you're going to see in the playoffs or what you're going to see in the finals and what you are seeing in the playoffs is the meat and potato stuff of the WHL. Now, you, you'll see what the complete focus and the goal of a Western Hockey League team is, not individuals. That is to build a title team. A WH title, to me personally, is really as much, if not more, than winning the Memorial Cup. And when you look at these four teams that are playing now, with that kind of record after 40, with the kind of draft players, you know that between them there's 49 players? Yeah. That, you know that are, that are 19 and 20? And your team is about 19 and 20-year-olds. Your team is not about a Connor Bedard in your team. Your team is about the 19s and 20s. They're the, they're the core of your hockey club. Uh, 31 NHL drafted players in the four teams. Uh, it, it's absolutely nuts. It's, uh, I don't, I don't even know who the NHL teams are going to come to watch as prospects for the NHL. Uh, it might be, you know, it just, it, it just might be a uh, Zach Benson. He's available, right? Yeah. Tanner Mollendike, Tanner Mollendike from Saskatoon. I, I mean, Mike, I think those are two of the top 64 players. That's the first two rounds of draft. That's how few prospects are in this game. You've got so many. 31 NHL drafted players yeah, it's in a, these four teams. Yeah, some good points there, Bill, for sure. That's why I have a guy like you on this. I'll tell you what, though, you look at that, uh, you look at that Seattle Thunderbirds team outscoring their opponents 39 to 9 to add some stats to your, uh, pile there and, uh, are 8 0 in the playoffs. Like they're a juggernaut. I, I think it's Winnipeg and Seattle's series to lose, though. I, I, I agree with you. Uh, I started to figure who's got the uh, advantage here. Well, uh, you know, Seattle lost the finals last year to, to Edmonton, right? It's really, really strange that you can get your team back into this position two years in a row, as Seattle Thunderbirds have done. <clears throat> and Bill LaForge deserves an awful lot of a lot of credit there. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I got a, if I had a pick, I got Seattle and Winnipeg. Uh, Winnipeg got to what the semifinals last year. Yeah. Um, you know they've got you know a, a ton of ton of uh, drafted players and it's all I don't know how many of those drafted players that I just talked about thirty one NHL drafted players Mike I don't even know how many are signed maybe half of them are already signed to NHL teams yeah for sure hey Bill uh, t- speaking of Winnipeg it's a black eye on the league like that speaking of the ice this could be their last playoff run as the ice I think they got to do something there in Winnipeg. Well, they will. They, I'm sure they have to. They, uh, you know, they were promised when they moved that franchise from uh, from Kootenai. They they promised they'd have a new arena there, and uh, you know, I don't know if there's a shovel in the ground, uh, but it it's unfortunate for. I, I wouldn't you think that the longer the Winnipeg Ice are in the playoffs, the harder 
it's going to be to make the moves to make a move. In other words, the longer their season goes, if they had to miss the playoffs three weeks, four weeks ago, mm-hmm. you could start making those moves. But they're they're possibly going to the Memorial Cup. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. Hey, lastly, to wrap up, Bill, um, uh, I think personally Connor Bedard's the best Pat that ever played. I, I don't remember watching uh, Wickenheiser play. And, of course, I didn't see Hickey or, or some of the old-time guys play. So it's hard to compare errors. But there's one thing I think we both can agree on. I don't know that we've seen uh, a rock star kind of road show like this. Uh, this The Saskatoon Blade ownership group, got to be happy Bedard uh, uh, was in the playoffs against the Blades because they were uh, selling that joint out too. Well, no, exactly. And that kind of player is not going to come around. Uh, I don't know. Maybe what, 20 years of that? It just doesn't happen. But to your point, Michael, the crowds in Saskatoon could well be over 12,000, right? Winnipeg has 1,600. That's it. I mean, maybe they can get 1,700 people in that, in that building. So, you know, might the crowds, I mean, is that an X factor? May they make a difference in the Saskatoon Winnipeg series? And the other thing, don't forget, Saskatoon's coming off two seven-game series. Mm-hmm. Is that going to is that going to be a factor? Uh, both four three you know four games to three wins. But it, this is really an exciting time of year. I have never usually I lose a little bit of interest come playoff time. I was fortunate there for twelve years when Shaw was doing WHL playoffs. I, I got to do every round between oh five and and two thousand seventeen. And I usually forget about it a little bit at this time, but it's got me really interested in these four teams and to the points that you made too. And um, man, I, I think it's going to be exciting. It's uh, yeah. the, the four best, four and, best. And to wrap up, Bill, I know you got to go here, busy golfing and coffee and living the life out there in BC. Listen, um, uh, I, I'm happy for the Kamloops Blazers in the sense that they're hosting the cup and they're not going in the back door per se. Like they're, they're around it, which is good. It, it adds credibility to the thing. Well, yeah, yeah, it does. See, it's back like 2007 when, when Vancouver played Medicine Hat. I mean, we, both teams were going into the, going into the Memorial Cup one week later. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we did game seven on the Shaw. It's still, it's still considered maybe the greatest WHL final game ever. Game seven, double overtime, it, fog. The players had to disperse the fog yeah. on the ice. It was a wonderful, wonderful game, and and uh, you know both teams headed for the Memorial Cup. But yeah, I agree with uh, with the, you with Kamloops. They put together a team. Uh, yeah, this is what it's all about. The, the trades that these four teams have made and the acquisitions that they've gotten, and especially over here with Seattle and Kamloops. I haven't seen anything like it. I not haven't seen junior age players between Seattle and Kamloops. The, how strong those teams are. Well, we're looking, anyway. Enjoy. Yeah, we're looking forward to. Thanks for your time, man. Enjoy your uh, weekend. Okay. Yeah, headed to Palm Springs, Lord willing, on Saturday. <laughs> good, good, good stuff, Bill. Take care. Thanks again. Bye bye. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Sports Cage. Now back to the action on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Welcome back to the Sports Cage, brought to you by our good friends here at the Canadian Brew House, where you can go uh, get yourself uh, one of the uh, Simply Spike Lemonade, new to the CBH, with four bold, full-flavored, fizzy choices to enjoy. They're just running through the video and audio for the big dinner tonight. Rams dinner here at the Conexus Art Center. I'm in the basement just as you enter the dinner. They've got uh, some former Rams who are in the pros now, including Tavon Campbell. We were just watching some NFL footage of him playing for the Chargers, and now he is a member of the 
Jacksonville Jags, Theron Churchill of the Argos, Jorgen Hughes of the Riders, Mitch Pickton of the Riders, and Trevor Harris, who isn't a Ram alum, but Riders' new quarterback making his first big appearance here in town at this dinner tonight. I think he's also going to be at the Dogs' breakfast on May the 4th, if I'm not mistaken. So there you go, getting in some uh, PR time here before he gets down to it at training camp. Uh, Blaine Weiland joining me back at the studio. Blaine, big signing in the NFL today ahead of the NFL draft. And it is uh, Lamar Jackson, five years, $260 million, $185 million guaranteed. So... Um, it took a long time to get it done because he wanted a fully guaranteed deal. He wanted to do the whole Deshaun Watson route. Obviously, they weren't going that way, but they get the deal done. Yeah, and it looked like that the Jalen Hurts was kind of the, the deal that got, it kind of sped up the process for Lamar's deal getting it done. It sounded like once Jalen Hurts signed his deal that uh, uh, Baltimore got things moving along with Lamar. Mm-hmm. Uh, the NFL draft is tonight, as we mentioned. It's uh, just round one tonight. Then they've got it carried over the weekend. The NFL knows how to do it right, so they got the they got uh, round one tonight. And then I think are are the rest of the rounds tomorrow, or is it tomorrow when uh, tomorrow round two's tomorrow, and then the rest on Saturday? Two right? and three is tomorrow. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Sure. All right. So the Panthers of the first overall so- selection, and we asked us how many quarterbacks do we think will be drafted in the first round? The over under and a lot of betting uh, uh, books, uh, 4.5. Bryce Young of Alabama expected to go first. Um, Then you've got uh, the kid from Kentucky, Will Levis, uh, C.J. Stroud, Anthony Richardson from Florida, and Hooker is from Tennessee. I could see all five going in the first round, to be honest with you. I agree. I think uh, especially that fifth year of option, uh, when you get drafted in the first round, that's a big thing, especially with quarterbacks. So who's the next, who do you think, you're a big NFL fan, who do you think the next uh, quarterback to get signed is? Is it Herbert? Is it Burrow? They're up next. Yeah, it's those two. It's going to be one of those two. I, I'll i say Burrow, but it wouldn't shock me if Herbert. I feel like they're kind of the same. I don't think that either one's going to have kind of a drag out or any little drama that kind of that we've seen with Lamar here. Okay, so here's a question for you, Mr. Brock Purdy guy. If you had to start a team, if the 49ers had a chance to get Herbert or Burrow, who would you take? <sighs> I'd probably and probably go with Burrow, to be honest, assuming that he's yeah. fully recovered from his health, just because I think he's a little bit more mobile than uh, Herbert, but uh, Herbert probably has the better arm. Yeah, I watched Herbert throw his team out of a lot of trouble live when Miami was there on that Sunday night game with the Zinger sitting next to me up in the bleeders. But you could even tell that guy was just head and shoulders above everybody else. I have to laugh at the comparison. I was laughing going into that, but when I left that game, I'm like, there's no comparison to Tua or Herbert. Because if you remember, the Dolphins took Tua ahead of Herbert in the draft a few years ago, which <laughs> might be their undoing going ahead. I actually probably would take Herbert, although... Uh, Burrow does kind of have that championship mentality, which is you can't coach that, you can't see it. So it would it would be a coin flip. You can't go wrong the other, uh, either way. I think I bet you Burrow holds out to see what Herbert does, and then Burrow becomes the uh, he becomes the guy who gets the the big deal when it's all said and done. When we come back on the other side of four o'clock news, we are going to hear from Arash Madani all the way from uh, Toronto, getting set for the Leafs and the Lightning and other topics too, including Lamar Jack. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. 
620 CKRM is proud to be the official radio partner of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and your home for the hottest sports talk anywhere. This is the Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball. Time now for Coast to Coast with Arash Madani, our weekly chat with a guy who has covered it all. From Hockey Night in Canada, the Olympics, World Series Baseball, and everything in between, this is Coast to Coast with Arash Madani. And welcome to the Sports Cage, live from the uh, Regina Ram Sportsman's Dinner at the Conexus Arts Center. Should be a great night. And yes, you heard the big boy Sky tell you it's coast to coast with our friend Rash Madani from Sportsnet. He joins us two times a week. He joined us three times last week, so this is his first appearance this week. And it's brought to you by our friends at Smart Investing Solutions. Be smart with your money. Call Brian Golly at Smart Investing Solutions, 546-2533. I'm going to uh, talk to John Hodge about this a little later on to Arash, but, um, you know, I'm sitting here and I'm waiting to watch this dinner tonight, and we've got um, Jorgen Hughes, former Ram, who's a rider, long snapper. Mm-hmm. Mitch, Pick- Mitch Pickton, former Ram, who's a rider, receiver. Theron Churchill, former Ram lineman that went to the... Uh, uh, Toronto Argonauts is a high draft pick and won a great cup even though he didn't play. He was part of the team that won it here in Regina, oddly enough, or ironically enough. And you got Tavon Campbell, who's playing in the NFL with the Jacksonville Jags, was with the Chargers. And then you think about Akeem Hicks from here. Now, he's not a local guy, but Akeem Hicks isn't making millions and millions and millions of dollars if Frank McChrystal doesn't get him out of being a cable repairman after he got pun- punted out of uh, LSU and bring him back here to play some football. Stefan Charles played in the NFL. John Ryan won a Super Bowl. All from little old Regina, Saskatchewan. So my question, Bozy, is how the heck haven't they won a Vanier Cup? Well, Dan Laval, huh? Yeah, well, I tell you what. If Jason Claremont does not get hurt... Uh, in the uh, game against St. Mary's, uh, and they had a little bit of an assemblance of a defense in 2000. Yeah. Was it? Uh, they they would have won that one against um, Belfay in Ottawa, but uh, they came up just short. I, I I like to say they didn't lose; they ran out of time, and it almost felt that way. That was a, a big time uh, Grey Cup there, or uh, sorry, a uh, Vanier Cup there at the uh, uh, Skydome then in Toronto. Uh, Arash. Uh, it got done. It got done. Lamar Jackson is signed with the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, $260 million, $185 million guaranteed. Just your thoughts on that deal. Well, it got done. I think the timing is not an accident. I think the, the fact that it's the day the NFL draft, um, it felt like that was a deadline that the Ravens had on themselves ballsy to get yeah. something done because as an organization you then have to make a decision i will say this that guaranteed money in lamar's pocket is actually 190.5 because okay. he's not paying the three he's not paying the three percent agent fee he did his own true? deal uh, he gets to pocket that and look this is a byproduct of Philadelphia getting Jalen Hurts locked up to the contract that Hurts got, and then both sides were off to the races. Because, look, Lamar and Jalen Hurts have to be around the same framework. They're around the same age. They, you know, one was an MVP. The other took his team to a Super Bowl. 
both just north of $50 million. And when Jalen Hurts became the richest per year quarterback in the NFL, you know, that's when both sides got together and said, we can, we can do better by this on basically every significant metric there is to an NFL contract. Look, Baltimore had to, had to do what they had to do when it came to franchising him and the rest. But Lamar had all the leverage here, Ballsy, because what were the Ravens going to do? Start all over again? Start from scratch? And I have to think that the Odell Beckham Jr. signing was the first olive branch that the organization made to Lamar saying, look, this is your guy. This is the guy you work out with. You want an impact receiver. We went out and paid him the money he wanted in the open market. Let's now talk. And once Baltimore was willing to exceed by an eyelash what Jalen Hurts made, uh, there they were. You're um, you're now the owner of the 33rd franchise in the NFL, nameless franchise. Are you going sure. with Are you going with Jalen Hurts as your quarterback or Lamar Jackson? Oh, oh, what a question! Um. It's a no-brainer for me. I don't think Lamar Jackson's a good quarterback. I think he's a great athlete that's an okay quarterback, a good quarterback, but not a great quarterback. I think uh, I think they're actually pretty close, except Lamar Jackson's too squeaky. He's too squeaky. I think Jalen Hurts is a straight-up good dude, uh, a leader. I'd pick Hurts every day of the week. Yeah, here's what's interesting, too. And, like, you know, the, the only reason I, I have paused there is because of Lamar's injury history. And right. so people say, well, you know, he's a mobile quarterback. That's what's going to happen. Lamar's injuries, Ballsy, have come in the pocket. Yeah. This is not a dude out, you know, running. Sure, he's a mobile quarterback. He's a running quarterback. He's a dual threat, all those things. But the injuries that have occurred are literally him dropping back and not getting protection. I, I listened to an interesting interview uh, Carson Palmer did this week. He was peddling some kind of product. But somebody asked him, would you rather have the best receiver in football or the best offensive tackle in football? And without blinking an eye, Ballsy, Carson Palmer said, best offensive tackle. You know, he said, as a quarterback, it's not just that you need time. You need to be able to have time to step into throws. And that's what your offensive tackle is going to give you. So you can have the best arm strength. You can have the best accuracy. You can have the best touch on the football. But if you're not able to actually go through the mechanic of your throw, um, that's going to be the issue. Jalen Hurts had probably the best offensive line in football last year. Now the question becomes, can the Eagles afford that offensive line when they pay Hurts what they pay him after next season? So Daniel Jones got paid. First of all, I think Lamar Jackson and Jalen Hurts, um, they 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 live up to their contract what they got. I'm not yes. so sure Dan. I'm not so sure Daniel Jones does to be quite honest with you. But whatever. Um, who's the next big one? It's your boy, isn't it, Bozy? Or Burrow? Yeah, yeah. I I think the Burrow thing is so fascinating. Because the Cincinnati Bengals have never, ever put that kind of investment into a player in the history of the Browns owning that franchise. Right. So what's going to happen? Because Jamar Chase is going to want his, and T. Higgins is going to want his, 
What are they going to do? And I thought it was quite fascinating, Ballsy, that for the first time, it's no longer Paul Brown Stadium there in Cincinnati. They put they put a corporate name on the building. Yeah. So for a notoriously cheap franchise, um, they're looking to get any kind of money they can get. But I wonder if you're the Chargers, I think you have to get Herbert locked up long term because the mo with an with an idiot coach and a defensive coach, if he starts peeking around, watch out. Yeah, hundred percent. So here's another question for you. You've got the 33rd franchise. Are you taking Burrow or Herbert? Oh, I'm taking Joe Burrow. Are you? I I don't think that there is a quarterback in football, if I'm starting a franchise today, um, that I am taking ahead of Joe Burrow. Even Mahomes? Well, if I'm starting a franchise. Yeah. You know, Patrick Mahomes yeah. is... Yeah. What was he, the 2017 draft? So you're talking about, you know, year seven and taking a lot of hits and all those kinds of things. That's Uh, true. That's true. I was thinking about this the other day. Joe Burrow's receivers in college, Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson. Not bad, huh? Well, yeah, and that's what I mean. And for that reason, I think Herbert's the better quarterback. Herbert uh, got his team to the... uh, to the playoffs and a nice lead, but he did it. Williams was hurt for part of the year. Keenan Allen was out for part of the year. Uh, they had a lot of injuries, and Burroughs had Jefferson and, and uh, Chase in college. He's got T. Higgins, and and uh, they had a good tight end, and they had Chase there too, and a good running back. I I I don't know. Very interesting. You could, I don't know that you could go wrong with either guy. Who do you think the most impactful rookie has taken tonight, Arash Madani? I just love Bijan Robinson out of Texas. I know that for, I know that running backs are not sexy first round picks, and that you know you can get your you can get the belief is they're dime a dozen, and you can get just as good a running back in the third or fourth round as you think you can get in the first. I think Bijan Robinson is so dynamic. I don't consider him a running back ballsy. I consider him an offensive weapon. I consider him to be Christian McCaffrey 2.0. And I think whatever offense he lands in, and apparently the Eagles are very high on him. I was going to say, what about the Eagles? That'd be nice with with, uh, Jalen Hurster. That'd be a great one. Put him in Philadelphia's offense with Dallas Goddard and A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith. Whew! Whew! That'd be fun. That'd be fun to watch. Yeah, that that would be a little fun to watch. Hey, let's flip gears here. Talk a little puck. The Toronto, we were laughing, the joke I told you, the Leafs, and we all laughed, me, you, and Singer, but uh, the joke's on us right now, they're up three games to one. Now, I want to see the Leafs lose tonight, just to see Leaf Nation light on fire tonight. They'll be so mad. Well, I, I don't think, I disagree with you there. I don't think they'll be mad. I think if the Leafs lose tonight, what you're going to see is so much angst. That's what I mean. So that, that's what I meant. That's what I meant. They're just, they're just going to be crazy. So much, here we go again, we can't have nice things, blah, 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 blah. But, Ballsy, I'm here to tell you, unfortunately, I don't think you're going to get your wish. No, I don't think so. I think think they're going to win. I think it has more to do with the Tampa Bay Lightning than it does the Toronto Maple Leafs. Look, the Leafs are scoring more in front, more tip goals in this series than some dudes have had all regular season or in and around that. 
but you know you can point to that as a factor within the game. But at this stage of things, remember the Tampa Bay Light. If you get bounced in the first round of the playoffs, like if you lose tonight, your summer begins on April 27th. If you get to the Stanley Cup final, your summer begins on June 15th. And the Lightning won in the bubble in 2020, so their summer started later. They won in 21, and they got to the Cup final in 22. This is an older team. It's a beat-up team. It's a tired team. It's a team whose blue line is banged up, and it kind of feels like they're a bit in disarray. I just think it's reached the point where it's so difficult to do this every year, and this is why. You have shortened summers. Guys need surgery. Guys have no time to recover. It's an 82-game season. It just looks like a Tampa team that's running on fumes, man. Lastly, Arash, what's the weather like in Toronto? Because where I'm going with this is if they win tonight, like, do they have the poles all greased up so people can't climb them? Like, what's the weather like tonight? No, I think the temperature will be relief meets joy. Um, <laughs> but here's because here's why. The old nemesis, the Boston Bruins, likely await. So, yes, Toronto's the kind of town where they celebrate winning a round as if it's a championship. I get it. I live here. I see it. I understand it. But, you know, let's remember this, Ballsy. We can talk about this next week. Like, the Leafs consider, Leaf fans consider the Bruins to be a rival. Guess what? In Boston, nobody considers Toronto a rival. They just consider them a doormat on mm-hmm. the way to whatever it is they're going to accomplish from there. Well, best case scenario for the Leafs, they win tonight, and Boston Boston should have won that game last night, and they could very well go to seven. That would be the best case scenario for the Toronto Maple Leafs. We'll see how it shakes down. Thanks for your time, Arash. I appreciate it. We'll talk to you next week. Always good, Ballsy. Thanks, bud. That is our friend Arash Madani, coast-to-coast for Smart Investing Solutions. We'll get to our clutch performer and... The clip of the year so far in sports, in my opinion. I know we're just four months in, but uh, it's a good one from the Greek Freak. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Holiday backs him down. Back out to Portis. They swing it to Allen up top. Butler from out of nowhere. And Jimmy Butler. A block and a stop. Miami has 13 of them. Portis guards Butler, hesitates, and hits Jimmy Butler to the free throw line. Boy, this is what happened in game four, where the Bucks were 9 of 27 with four turnovers in the fourth. Butler is free again. Jimmy Butler has 30. Over the top to Butler. Up and in. Jimmy Butler ties the game with a half second to go. What a play call. Well, Jimmy Butler of the Heat was the best player in that series with the Bucks. He scored 42 last night, including that miraculous bucket where he's falling backwards and throws up a prayer to tie the game and send it to overtime. The Heat would go on to beat the Milwaukee Bucks by a count of 128-126. And for just the sixth time in NBA history, an eighth seed beat a one seed. Jimmy Butler, our clutch performer of the day, brought to you by Nick Service in Emerald Park. Your local Massey Ferguson, Challenger, Rogator, Gleaner, and Fent dealer. Give him a call, 781-1077. All right, uh, welcome back here inside the Connexus Art Center, getting set for the Rams Sportsman's Dinner. And yeah, the uh, Bucks 
colossal collapse, losing uh, in five games, losing 128-126 in overtime. Uh, one of the reporters yesterday, um, after the game, talking to Giannis Antetokounmpo, the Greek freak, and he missed half the series with a bruised derriere or tailbone or whatever it was. But here's the question he asked him, and I thought it was probably the clip of the year. Look at how intelligent this answer is. Do you view this season as a failure? Oh, my God. Uh, you asked me the same question last year, Eric. Okay. Uh, do you get do you get a promotion every year on your job? No, right? So every year you work is a failure. Yes or no? No. Every every year you work, you work towards something, towards a goal, right? Which is to get a promotion, to be able to uh, take care of your family, to be able, I don't know, um, provide the house for them or take care of your parents. You work towards a goal. It's not a failure. It's steps to success. Michael Jordan played 15 years, won six championship. The other nine years was a failure. That's what you're telling me. No, I'm asking you a question. Yes or no? Okay, exactly. So why are you asking me that question? It's a wrong question. There's no failure in sports. That's Giannis with a great answer. No failure in sports. I think sometimes us knucklehead media guys and some meatball fans just think you got to win every year or you're a failure. Well, he just told you that's not the case, and I agree wholeheartedly. When we come back here to the Conexus Arts Center, we are going to be joined by John Hodge to talk all things U Sports and CFL. John Hodge from Three Down Nation. This is the Sports Cage for the Canadian Brew House on 620 CK. KRM. Sports ticker, and it's brought to you by our friends at Bronco Plumbing and Heating, where professional service is guaranteed. They'll treat you right. 781-2093 games in the NHL. We've talked about it. We'll talk some more about it as the show rolls along. But the Leafs are home to Tampa, up 3-1. They could finish off the Lightning tonight. Uh, let's see if they can uh, pull it out on home ice. The Vegas Golden Knights home to the Jets up three games to one. And New Jersey hosting the Rangers in about a half an hour. And that series tied at two apiece. The road teams have won every game in that series. Blue Jays off today. They open up a weekend set against the Seattle Mariners at Rogers Center in Toronto. Uh, and the Jays coming off a uh, three-game sweep of the Chicago White Sox. My Padres continue to be... Uh, overwhelming disappointment losing in Chicago 5-2 dropping 2 of 3 to the Cubs they're going to now play the Giants in Mexico City uh, night number 1 in the NFL draft goes uh, in about uh, an hour and a half the first overall pick the Carolina Panthers and Lamar Jackson signing a new deal with the Baltimore Ravens 5 years 260 million dollars 190 million of that guaranteed because he doesn't have to pay the agent fee because he was his own agent and that's your sports ticker the sports cage is your voice for football not only in the province but around canada this is the sports cage cfl report a look at what's happening in our three down game And wherever you're listening, however you're listening, thanks for making us part of your day. The Sports Cage is on location today. Yeah, they let us out of the cage at the station. We've set up temporary shop here at the Regina Rams Sportsman's Dinner um, at the Conexus Art Center. Great night in store. Trevor Harris, the Riders quarterback, will be here. We'll also be uh, watching and listening to Jorgen Hughes. 
Mitch Picton, Theron Churchill, and Tavon Campbell of the Jacksonville Jags. As this little old school on the prairies has done a lot in terms of producing athletes at uh, the CFL level and the NFL level. And I know this guy appreciates it. Joining us on the Western Pizza Hotline, John Hodge. I don't think in the past the Rams have done a good enough job of this. Uh, and maybe in the media we haven't done a good enough job of this. Promoting the fact this little old school in Regina, uh, undergraduate school, has produced this many professional football players. Yeah, you know, that's a great point. I mean, Regina certainly punches above its weight class when it comes to producing not only CFL, but even NFL players, as you laid out. Of course, you, you, you've got the DB Tavon, uh, Tavon Campbell there, but, but also you look at a guy like Akeem Hicks, who, who played for the Rams a decade ago and is still playing in the NFL. It's pretty amazing. And we know that a good pro players in this year's draft out of Regina in defensive back Jackson Ford, who I see as, as a potential even second-round pick. So, obviously, the Rams have had a lot of success lately, and it's it's continuing on into the future. Really like this uh, guy's work. Very studious uh, and well-spoken. John Hodge over at 3-Down Nation. Yeah, Ford's going to be an interesting one for sure. Hey, uh, an announcement today by the CFL that CBS Sports is going to pick up 34 games beginning, I think, with regular season opener, and then uh, Labor Day, the traditional Labor Day, is going to be part of the slate. Yeah, it, it's, I think, an exciting and intriguing move. I, I do have some questions about about the decision. Uh, from what I understand, this, this network is in about 60,000, uh, pardon me, 60 million uh, American homes, which is, you know, it's a decent number. I'm not sure it's as many as the ESPN deal that TSN, or pardon me, that um, the CFL would have had a, a year ago down south. That being said, the deal that, that the CFL had with ESPN was largely about exposure. I've been led to believe that that deal paid as little as $150,000 per year, which is obviously chump change. It's not something that is going to meaningfully impact the CFL's bottom line, especially when TSN in Canada is paying $50 million a year, reportedly, albeit in, in Canadian dollars instead of American dollars. So if the CFL is going to get less exposure, hopefully they get more money. That being said, I do like what I've read about CBS supposedly doing more to promote these games because that's something that I've heard from countless Americans, which is that even when the CFL is on ESPN, they have no idea. The only way that they can find it is by channel surfing because the games are not really announced in advance. It's not really made clear which exact channel it'll be on and so hopefully that's something that cbs can communicate well to viewers so uh you mentioned tsn and a tip of the cap to bell media slash tsn 50 million dollar contract has certainly been a cash cow for the cfl so you can't turn your nose at that but on the other side of things john hodge if you spend that kind of money why would you reduce your broadcasting um obligations for instance going down to two preseason games that's a great question. I mean, I, I, I confirmed with TSN on Tuesday that they've gone down from four to two preseason games for this year. I was not offered an explanation. I would speculate that it has to do with money, and that's only because, as we know, in a global situation where, where, where more and more businesses are struggling in a recession, that, uh, that money is tight everywhere. Uh, and obviously, preseason games 
don't boast the same level of viewership uh, or even entertainment value as the regular season. That being said, my concern is what, and I recall, I believe it was your question even, Ballsy, at, at Grey Cup regarding, well, why, why aren't we doing DFL week? Why aren't, why aren't we doing all of these projects that we used to to engage fans? And Randy Ambrosi, the league's commissioner, said, well, this is about digital content. We need to have more digital content. We need to be in more homes digitally. And when you ax, you know, your combine live stream, when you, when you suddenly have your broadcast partner axing preseason broadcasts, then you aren't putting your money where your mouth is. You're not, you're not producing more digital content. You're actually producing less. So to me, that, that is somewhat of a concern. Um, you know, the, the two preseason games that were axed were, was a Saturday doubleheader. I know the games don't mean anything in the standings, Ballsy, but I sure would have loved to sit on my couch and, and watch six hours of CFL football. Yeah, you and me both, man. Hey, uh, you're a colleague over at Three Down Nation, Justin Dunk, breaking the story that veteran linebacker Chris Ackes decided to retire from the CFL. He was due to earn $150,000 in the final year of his contract. That's kind of a surprise. Yeah, he's only 31, and I think he's still very much in the prime of his career, but Chris, I think, is somebody who, who has a lot of off-field opportunities. He's, he's a very, very sharp guy. He's a guy who, who has been involved with the CFL Players Association as a representative for a number of years, and, and I know he's got a very bright future outside of football. But one thing I will say, and your listeners can, can watch for this on Tuesday during the CFL draft, Michael Brodrick, linebacker out of the, uh, the University de Montreal, is is a projected first-round pick. And if there was any hesitation on the Alouettes' part to go ahead and nab him at either five or seven, because the Alouettes have two first-rounders this year, I think this was the push that they need because suddenly they have a big hole in their linebacking core and uh, they've got a local option there who they can go and grab. Great, John Hodge from Three Down Nation here. You put out a story on that website uh uh, actually, yesterday about the Simon Fraser alumni like Louis Pusaglia, Doug Brown, and a bunch of them leaving the SFU Sports Hall of Fame in protest of football cancellation. It looks like it's it's headed to court, but what a black eye for the university. I'll tell you what, I've said this to Jim Mullen and others. I wouldn't send my kid there. Well, this is something that, that I don't think SFU anticipated. And I know we've talked about this on your show, Ballsy, uh, a handful of times. But I remember... Back when this decision was made, I talked to SFU's athletic director, Teresa Hansen, and one of the questions that I asked her was, has the amount of, of pushback against this decision surprised you? And she kind of got quiet, and then she thought about her answer, and to her credit, she answered. But this is something that I don't think that leadership group at SFU ever could have imagined. Like, the, the, the not only national headlines, international headlines, this is drawn, and then you have players who are still household names in, in Canada. You mentioned Louis Pisaglia, guys like Orville Lee, guys like Doug Brown, guys like Sean Millington, like these, you know, Dave Cutler, like these yeah. hallowed, almost royalty, frankly, in the CFL. Guys whose names, you know, we remember so fondly as, as people in and around this league. For them to, to, to group together, and I'm told, by the way, by a source in the alumni group, that this decision, you know, from the time it was proposed to the time this decision was made, was about a day. Like, these, these gentlemen did not hem and haw with this decision. Somebody proposed it, and they said, yes, that is a great idea. Let's do it. And they stood united, and they did it together. And, and obviously, they're, they're happy to, as, as per their release, happy to rejoin the hall. 
if and when the decision at SFU is reversed to reinstate the football team. But I, to me, that that's good leadership, right? They want to see a change, and they're willing to put their own name and their own reputation out there to try to get it overturned. And lastly, John, you uh, put out uh, another um, article today, uh, Three Down Nation. A CFL, quote, thrilled with ticket sales for Touchdown Atlantic, but the game's still not sold out. Second year in a row, the Riders will play the Argonauts. Uh, I suggest that it's partly because of the tractor factor. And Ryder fans went last year, uh, 85%, I'd say, and that might be low, were Ryder fans at that game. So the tractor factor travels, but it was a down year last year for the Ryder. So I think some of the fans are sitting on the fence right now to see how the season gets off to, you know, what kind of start it gets off to. Yeah, I, I think that's reasonable. And obviously it, it's an expensive location to get to from the prairies. I mean, it's, <laughs> yeah. there's not a lot of countries where you can fly five hours in one direction and land and still be in the same country, right? Like good point, good point, yeah. Yeah, good point. <laughs> you, you, you fly five hours and, and you, you, you've flown over seven different countries. It's wild. But uh, one thing I will say is last year, reportedly, the ticket sales for Touchdown Atlantic, I mean, the event sold out very quickly, but the tickets sold at a reported average of about 50 bucks. This year, even just like the, the party zone behind the south end zone is 50 bucks. The north end zone, 75. And if you want to sit in the grandstands, I, I think you can get in as cheap as 90, but some of the premium seats are, are more like 120. So I think that might be something that locals are struggling with a little bit is, okay, I went last year, had fun. And now my same seat is is double the price. So that might be a factor as well in the fact that this event hasn't sold out. Though, again, I understand the event is is approaching a sellout. There's there's about 250 seats in the grandstand. The end zone, it, it's not clear how many there are, but but the event only seats about 10,600. So I, I I would I would venture to guess it's probably 90% of the way there. They just need the last 10%. And uh, we talked about this before, but it's worth mentioning again. This is uh, fans there, or, you know, if there's any any hope of uh, getting a team there, this is the the final push, I feel. Yes, and, and, and for people out east who, who want to have a CFL team there, like this is their chance to vote with their wallet, right? And and that's why I reported the story is, is tickets – for last year's event went on sale and it sold out within a couple hours. This year, this, the tickets went on sale on April 3rd. So we're now not, not a full month, but we're approaching a full month of, of tickets being for sale. And, and it's only a building that seats again, 10,600, which is a good amount, I think, for that event, but it's obviously not enough for, for a full-time permanent stadium. So if there's fans out East who want to prove that they can, can, you know, uh, support a team properly and, and fill a stadium, this is their chance to do it. And, and, you know, frankly, not enough folks have done it, as evidenced by the fact that you can still get tickets almost a month into sales. John Hodge at 3 Down Nation does great work. Check him out over there. Thanks for your time, John. Thanks, Ballsy. Anytime. The Sports Cage is your locker room pass. We're talking riders on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. Welcome back to the Sports Cage here. Welcome back to the Sports Cage here on 620 CKRM. Michael Ball with you, and uh, we will tell you that the um, 
Oh. Uh. Wrong headset. There we are. Sorry. I got the I put the different headset on Blaine. There's a How long have I been in radio, Blaine? Uh, more than me. <laughs> I, got I, three, I, thought, I, I thought you're talking I in the phone three, booth there for a second. I got three headsets here, and I put the I, I've been using the second one in the middle the whole time, and I put the first one on. <laughs> That's hilarious. I'm like, what is going on? Okay, so uh, yeah, we're coming to you live from the Connexus uh, Art Center in the basement next to the bar, and I promise I haven't been drinking, just one diet coke. Uh, getting set for the Rams dinner here. Tavon Campbell, Jorgen Hughes, Mitchell Pickton, Theron Chil- uh, Churchill, all former Rams on the stage along with former Rough Rider, or current Rough Rider quarterback, pardon me, Trevor Harris. We don't want to run him out of town yet. He's just getting to town. CFL announcing that the um, CBS Network will carry 34 of our league's games in the U.S. this year. It's part of a new multi-year deal. You heard John Hodge on from Three Down Nation. About 60 million subscribers to CBS Sports Network. And uh, they are going to start uh, their... um, Coverage will feature the league's season opener and traditional holiday weekend matchups, including the Labor Day weekend. So there you go. And they're going to do a, a more concerted effort than what ESPN did in um, promoting the game so they just don't pop up on Americans' TV because that was one of the big uh, criticisms. Just like all of a sudden this game popped up, there was no promotion to say, hey, this game's going to be on Thursday or on Saturday. So that's some good news, and hopefully the CFL get some meaningful money out of it because they didn't get much from ESPN like 150000 or $200,000 but uh, I'm pretty sure they haven't got any money from Mexico, Finland, Sweden, any of those global leagues to do this global 2.0 which I'm not in favor of as you know. Veteran Canadian linebacker Chris Ackes decided to retire from the CFL. The 31-year-old was scheduled to earn over $150,000 in the final year of his contract with the Owls during uh, this season. He's from Cambridge, Ontario. He was selected in the first round, fourth overall in the 2015 CFL draft by the Owls. Really shot up the prospects rankings with his great combine back in the day. He played in 92 games over seven years with the Alouettes and Red Blacks, making 226 defensive tackles, 25 special team stops, eight sacks, five INTs, four forced fumbles, and he scored one defensive touchdown. You'll say, does he have any gas left in the tank? Well, just two years ago in that COVID-shortened season, he had 48 tackles, six sacks, and two interceptions in 14 games. We know tonight the NFL draft is going down in Kansas City. The Panthers have the first overall selection, um, and we've been talking about this. The uh, over-under at how many quarterbacks will be taken is 4.5. Many people believe Bryce Young will be the first uh, quarterback taken and he'll go first overall to uh, Carolina. Then uh, Will Levis, C.J. Stroud, Anthony Richardson, and Hooker from Tennessee. Uh, you know, depending on you know, beauties in the eye of the beholder. But apparently, there's uh, maybe a trade in the works here, Blaine. Uh, just seeing that uh, Arizona's been talking turkey with the, the uh, Cardinals, the Texas, the, the car, uh, with the tit- Titans and uh, Titans and Cardinals are talking to yeah. me. Titans looking to move up to number three, and then they'd move back to what is it, twelve? I think eleven and eleven, and so uh, a deal might get done if the Titans take DeAndre Hopkins. So they don't; they're not sure if DeAndre Hopkins will want to go there. But he doesn't have a um, no trade clause anymore because it got waived or. Uh, expunged once he tested positive for PED violation of his contract. So that's going to be interesting to see. So if the Titans do make that move, uh, they're probably going to go with a quarterback. Who are they going to pick? I think it looks like C.J. Stroud from what I've been reading about if the Titans move up. 
So the Texans got number two. They're not going to take a quarterback? It seems like with what I've been reading all today that they are not going to take a quarterback at two, and they might not even take one at 12 as well. So they're going to go with that. Is it Davis Mills or something? Isn't that their quarterback? Case Keenum. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, they, 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 I did see How does some, that sell any tickets? Uh, they're not. You know what, though? I think they're, they don't think, care. they're thinking about Caleb Williams. I think a lot of teams, I think some teams are thinking about Caleb Williams in next year's draft because uh, that's the guy that Sean Payton says that, that the NFL should introduce a lottery for. And and he's where now? USC, because he started in Oklahoma. He's USC. He started yeah, in Oklahoma. He, he started in Oklahoma yeah. with Lincoln Riley, then he went out with them to California. So USC quarterback at Caleb Williams. Yeah, interesting. Um, I'm not sure how it's going to shake down. I, I think uh, Bryce Young will go one. Will Levis, although he said the Reddit post was wrong, but who knows? He was telling people apparently the rumor was that he was going to go number one. That Carolina was saying that. I can't see him going one. Probably go Young, the first quarterback taken. Stroud number two. You think Richardson three? Uh, yeah, because then we're looking at Indianapolis and uh, their system. Their 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 new head coach was the offensive coordinator, of course, of Philadelphia last season. So I think a lot of people drew the connection between maybe Jalen Hurts and Anthony Richardson, possibly. But uh, that could be another spot for Levis uh, as well. I think. Do you think? Okay, so do you think we'll see five quarterbacks go tonight? I think I think so. I think we'll see four yeah. in the top ten or so, and then Hooker is going to be in somewhere in the twenties. Yeah, I think 23 to Minnesota. That's where I kind of got him going. I said that earlier in the show. Um, all right, so we've got NHL hockey tonight. It's going to be the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Tampa Lightning. Uh, Leafs finish it off tonight, you think? Yeah, I think tonight's the night for the Leafs. I say Vasilevsky stands on his head and Tampa wins only to see Toronto win in Tampa in game number six. It's, I think it's going to be kind of wacky that way. Maybe. I think the Jet. I think the Jets have just run out of bodies. I think they're done tonight in Vegas. Yeah, I think they're done too. Velasneski, I was going to say, uh, did he get some x-ray glasses to find those screens in front of the net maybe tonight? Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> He's got one of the lower percentages for uh, tip uh, tip shot save. So, uh, and uh, even the former coach, Lalonde, who's doing the Sportsnet panel, we talked about that yesterday. He mentioned that, and they had changed their whole defensive strategy. Um, I just think uh, Tampa's run out of gas. And how about that collapse by Milwaukee yesterday? Was that not a huge collapse? Yeah. Man, the Bucks. Yeah. That's probably the worst. That might be the worst 1-8 defeat. When you think about it, it was only five games. It wasn't seven. It wasn't like the Nuggets beating the uh, Supersonics that year. Oh, yeah. The Kimbe Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. The, 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 the yeah. finger wag. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. So it wasn't that bad. Like that was like a seven gamer. This one, this one was done in five. Yeah, and especially I don't know if you factor in too as well that Miami had to play in the play the Bucks. They had to go through that tournament as well. That's a good point. That's a very good point, actually, man. Real good point. All right, when we come back after. The 5 o'clock news live here from the Conexus Art Center and the Rams Sportsman's Dinner. We are going to hear from Mike Kelly. We'll check in. Uh, we talked to him earlier. We'll check in with Sean Kleisinger again and replay that, our normal uh, operator. But Blaine's doing a great job back at the station. He's in England watching soccer. We'll also hear from Rams head coach Mark McConkie here for the dinner and Glenn Suter on the Western Pizza Hotline. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Sports Talk lives here. Welcome to another hour of the Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball. 
All right, uh, welcome back to the Sports Cage. We're coming to you live from the Regina Rams Sportsman's Dinner here at the Conexus Arts Center, and we're joined by the NHL Network's Mike Kelly as the playoffs round one. Some interesting games. How about the Seattle Kraken and the Colorado Avalanche? That is a bit of a shocker. Yeah, it is a little bit. Um, I think for Colorado, obviously not having Kale McCarr in Game 5 was huge for them when you think about their transition game and you think about um, what it means just getting back on pucks against that super aggressive forecheck and getting it out of your own end. Like the first goal that, that Seattle scored, shocker, they chip it in, they go win a battle, they score a goal. Um, their, their forecheck has been so good, and their, their team speed has been so good against Colorado in that sense. caused them a lot of problems. Uh, for the Avalanche, the two, the, the two games they've won in the series is when they've been transitioning the puck effectively out of their end and getting up the ice and creating those rush chances. The three games they've lost, it's been taken away from them. So um, it's impressive. It's basically, at this point, Seattle's team against Colorado's superstars because Seattle's team is, is destroying Colorado everywhere else. It's just, can Ranton and or McKinnon or in game six of Kale McCarr have enough moments where they can be the difference? Is Colorado in trouble? Besides the fact it's 3-2, do you think they're in trouble? Yeah. No, yeah, they are in trouble for sure. Um, and kind of the way that I would answer that question typically is looking at, all right, who's out playing who, like underneath the hood, what's going on? Uh, there's been one game in this series that Colorado has been the better team in terms of expected goals at, at even strength, uh, and that was game three. So when Seattle's controlling even strength play in four out of five games, yeah, Colorado's in trouble. That's a that's a Stanley Cup game last night. Bobro, Bobrovsky stands on his head. I'll say that three times fast. He stands on his head, keep, <laughs> keeps him in the game, and then Boston falls asleep in their own zone, and Florida somehow wins. Couldn't believe it, uh, especially I'm watching the second period, and Boston is completely dominating them. And, and not only that, like Florida, look, they haven't been a great defensive team all year anyways, but, man, like, they had a, a terrible line change that ended up in a two-on-zero. Uh, a couple breakaways against them. The, the penalty kill where Marchand scored. Everybody's caught in the same side of the ice. It, it's there's such a mess at times defensively. And I was watching bottom like they're giving Boston chances. Like Boston's going to get enough of their own anyways. And, and you're gifting these guys chances. It was one-one at the time. I'm like, there's no way Boston loses this game. And sure enough, you know, in the third period, Florida just keeps chipping away. Very opportunistic. Um, and you know, the game ends on a play that all just, you know, made the wrong play. Uh, and that's it. So I was surprised, uh, that Florida came out on top in that game. And I still think Boston is in great shape to win this series, probably in six, but now you, you know, even, even if you do that, you've had to go down to Florida now and play another game where, you know, Bergeron's banged up Krejci. We still don't know if he's going to play. Um, they really could use the rest against a Toronto team, maybe, um, that could be done the first round after tonight. And I think they will be. I think Toronto finishes it tonight. How about you? No, I disagree. Um, I want to hear why you think they finish it first. I, I just think I just think they'll slay the dragon tonight. I think uh, Tampa Bay's out of gas. It's been a long three years for them, a successful three years. Uh, although I do want to see the Leafs lose so that Leaf Nation loses their absolute minds tonight. <laughs> well, here's why I think that'll happen. Um Number one, and this has nothing to do with, you know, numbers, analytics, the kind of stuff that I work in typically, but I go back to last year. I talked to a, a guy in the Avalanche the day after they won the Cup, 
And we're talking about game five and game six, and they had a chance to win at game five at home, which would have been so cool, right? And he talked about, you know, they almost just wanted the game to be over before it started. Like they're, dri- they're, they're driving to the rink. They see that the poles are all greased up and the, the, the cops are getting ready. And, and everybody, he's like, everybody acted like we already won the game. Mm-hmm. And you know, you're going to get the other team's best game. And this is a championship team, Colorado. They win it in Tampa Bay in game six, but they didn't win it in game five. Toronto, they're not a championship team. In fact, they're known for one thing, this group, not winning games when you can eliminate an opponent. Yeah. So, they're playing against a championship team. You're going to get their best game. Uh, I think there'll be an element of Toronto at home, again, just knowing that that it could be, should be, all this stuff that may creep in. Tampa will play well. Vasilevsky has been bad in this series. Like yes. he, he hasn't been average. He's been bad. And I know John Cooper talked about, look, you look at the goals, deflection here, deflection there, what's he supposed to do? Um, there is an element of that for sure. And this is where it goes back to Tampa's defense not being what it has been in years past. They're having a lot of trouble getting guys out of the way in front of Vasilevsky. That's true. But so, too, is the fact that he has not played well. Um, if, if that happens again, it's anyone's guess whose game this is. If he plays better, given the fact that Tampa Bay has been the better team in the last two games, they dominated Toronto game three. They blew a huge lead in game four. I think Tampa Bay should find a way to get it done. Mike Kelly here from the NHL Network. Mike, uh, it feels like Winnipeg's run out of bodies and probably running out of time. Yeah, and it's too bad because, you know, you watch the first couple of games of the series and it was good. Um, Winnipeg obviously won one and they come home with a split. And I picked Winnipeg to win the series. I thought there's enough there that they could maybe pull an upset off, at least make it real competitive. And then, you know, you got no wheelers and, you know, Shifley goes down and uh, Morrissey's done for the series. And now you're, you're right. You're just, there's not enough guys left. Uh, and Vegas has started to play a lot better too. So you give them credit. Um, I think Connor Hellebuck's kind of doing all he can. People are asking, you know, well, you know, he's going to have to steal games. He's not stealing them. He's, he's not, but he certainly hasn't been the problem. Um, it, it's, it, it's too bad because I do think Vegas will probably end it maybe even as early as, as game five. Uh, but I thought all things being equal, everyone's kind of healthy. This could have been a six or seven game real competitive series. Uh, the Edmonton Oilers, you talked about them being scary um, at any time they can turn it on. And they did it after the first period uh, in that game in L.A. after they were down 3 nothing. I feel like uh, I feel that's it. I think Edmonton closes it out in six. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, it's definitely a possibility. I'm so impressed with the way Edmonton played that game. You think about what the Kings have been doing to them in the series. You know, it's tied. Uh, they went into their home rink and just said, you know, put them a gas. This game's ours. And they, and they took it over. Um, played really, really well. Stuart Skinner, I'll say this, you know, kind of okay again. Yeah. Uh, kind of okay the whole series. So, I think this is probably in, you know, the Oilers, not the, the players, but, you know, just the, the team in general, coach, front office, whatever. Um, they're winning, and it's great. Campbell came in in that spot duty and was awesome. And I'm not saying you go to Campbell in game six at all, but let's say Skinner's okay or less than that, and it goes seven. I, th- I thought there was no doubt Skinner should start game five. That's where I think maybe, maybe we'll see. We'll see how it plays out, but... Yeah, can they go in and win the game for sure? They, they've been so good. The power play is so good. Um, 
And, you know, McDavid's been pretty good. He's getting a lot of chances. Like, I know the points aren't there, especially even strength. He hasn't been bad. It's just a testament to how good the Kings are. Um, where, where they haven't been able to solve Edmonton at all is with the power play and, and with Drysaddle at five on five primarily. Well, he's he's turned into a playoff machine. I mean, he only trails Gretzky in uh, in points per playoff games through what the first forty playoff games. Like the guy's on fire. He's it's it's crazy. And I, I remember saying this kind of earlier in his career it was after he scored fifty goals the first time that you know that's when you, you can. Talk about his raw ability, and I think in his offensive game, his puck protection and his passing are probably his, his best attributes. He might be the best passer in the game, right? People talk about that a lot. Um, he's also a guy that's a 50-plus goal guy. And you know one cool thing, I think, with him? He's a big guy, right? Not only can he protect the puck where someone can you know, put some contact on him and he can still make a pass or, or get a good shot off, he actually welcomes it. Like, yeah, you watch him, yeah. especially on the walls, he'll have the puck, and he'll just kind of hang out there and be like, come hit me. Come touch me. He'll draw guys in, and that just opens up more room for everybody else. No, it's, um, it's a good point. Man, is he ever good. He's He's been the best player in the series. And anytime you're sharing ice with Connor McDavid, and that's what people are saying, uh, not too shabby. Yeah, that bodes well for Edmonton, actually, to be quite honest with you, if their goaltending, totally. goaltending can hold up. And lastly, Mike, busy day for you, so as the playoffs always are, so we'll let you go on this one. When I watch Jake Ottinger, I see a bit of Carey Price, especially how he can dominate a game. It took us nine nights to get a shutout in the NHL, only, fit, <laughs> only fitting it's Ottinger, but he is he is rock solid, man. What a player. Yeah, I mean, way to follow up a heroic game where you make a game-saving post-to-post save uh, in the last seconds to win by a goal. You follow that up with a shutout. He's He's been unreal. And this is why Dallas, you know, you, you shouldn't sleep on the Dallas Stars in the West because they're getting depth scoring now. Rupe Ants is flying around. Um, they're doing it without, for now, Joe Pavelski, which has been really impressive. Sagan stepped up in a huge way. Uh, power plays buzzing. And in, at the end of the day, that last line of defense, like you said, is Ottinger, and he is outstanding. And it's probably a good comparison. Like, they're big guys. They don't flail around in the net. They always look pretty calm and composed. Uh, Carey Price certainly was that in his career. So, um, you know, going through some numbers today, and just one of the things that stands out about Ottinger so far, and it kind of goes back to that save he made with 10 seconds left going post-to-post on the one-timer. Mm-hmm. Seam passes, right? Seam plays where the puck goes from one side of the ice to the other for a shot. Hasn't given up a goal yet. He's the only goalie in the playoffs that has not given up a goal in a seam pass. Those are hard shots to stop. Those are high goal probability shots. Um, and he's perfect. That's a great stat. And that's why we have him on Mike Kelly NHL Network at Mike Kelly NHL. Thanks for your time, man. I appreciate it. No problem, and we shall see what uh, the scene is in downtown Toronto, the hockey center of the universe. <laughs> hey, stay off the polls, Kelly. <laughs> no promises. I'm, not, I'm in New Jersey, and I'm not even from Toronto. I just like getting people fired up. <laughs> Take care, buddy. All right. Nobody covers your team like our team. This is the Sports Cage on the Mighty 620 CKRM. Welcome back to the Sports Cage here, coming to you live from the Regina Rams Sportsman's Dinner in the uh, basement of the Connexus Arts Center. Tavon Campbell, Jorgen Hughes, Theron Churchill, and Mitch Pickton, former Rams, going to be on the stage, along with the Rough Riders' new quarterback, Trevor Harris. Uh, 
some interesting news from the CFL today on a couple of fronts. Veteran Canadian linebacker Chris Ackie from Cambridge, Ontario, selected first round, fourth overall in the 2015 CFL draft by the Owls. Played also with the Ottawa Red Blacks has retired. He was going into his uh, final year of a contract that would have paid him over $150,000. Now, we've heard from John Hodge earlier on the po- on the uh, show. Pardon me. You can listen back on our podcast uh, from Three Down Nation. And he had said, hey, this guy's got other things that he can do in life. And then I just saw a quote on Twitter from uh, that was attributed to an article that Herb Zerkowski, who covers the Alouettes, veteran sports writer out there from the Montreal Gazette, basically Aki saying that uh, Noel Thorpe, the D coordinator, doesn't like Canadians and only plays them because he has to. So uh, maybe that's uh, factoring into his decision to retire. But we'll ask Chris Aki ourselves tomorrow. He will join us on the sports cage he's been on before, and he's happy to jump back on. We're going to move Glenn Suter till tomorrow as well. Lots to talk about there. Um, and uh, we'll have him in the uh, 4 o'clock time slot. Mark McConkie joins us after 5.30, coach of the Rams. And then we've got uh, Sean Kleisinger from England, where he's watching a couple of soccer games. CFL also announcing that CBS Sports Network will carry 34 games in the United States as part of a new multi-year deal. Don't know how much the deal is worth, but they plan to really promote it so it just doesn't pop up on their network. And the fans in the States that love the CFL or are intrigued or new fans will... Uh, know when and where to tune in. Now they're um, going to feature the league's season opener and traditional holiday weekend matchups as part of their coverage, including the Labor Day weekend. So they get the uh, granddaddy of them all. That would be the uh, Labor Day classic between the um, Saskatchewan Rough Riders and the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. NFL Draft will be going tonight, the first-round selection going to the Carolina Panthers at number two. It's the Houston Texans at number three for now, the Arizona Cardinals, although they are working maybe on a trade with the Tennessee Titans. Titans would move up from 11 to three. Cardinals want the Titans to take receiver DeAndre Hopkins. We'll see how that shakes down. Um, Aaron Rodgers says he is going to practice with his team. In fact, he was uh, planning to be at the facility today and practice with the team, so... Not sure if he did that, but he certainly hadn't done that as of late in Green Bay. NFL, according to AdAge.com, via Sports Business Daily, the lawn and garden care company has hired uh, the Buffalo Bills linebacker Vaughn Miller to serve as a spokesperson in efforts to persuade NFL teams to dump artificial turf for real grass. Miller's team is among those that does not have a grass surface. Last grass surfaces I can remember in the CFL. Winnipeg Blue Bombers back in the day and of course the Edmonton, then Edmonton Eskimos. Ottawa had it way back too. The Rough Riders uh, in the early, early 80s and then they got rid of it. Leafs hosting Tampa looking to close out the lighting and right now it's three games to one and right now the score is one nothing in the uh, first period for the Toronto Maple Leafs coming up at, uh, oh no, it's 1-1. The Lightning have tied that game up. Anthony Sorelli scoring for the Lightning. The Leafs got their goal from uh, Morgan Riley, former Moose Jaw Warrior. Still to come tonight, Devils and Rangers will kick off in about, I'd say about um, 10 minutes' time in the swamp there. Their new rink in New Jersey. Uh, the Devils and the Rangers tied a two apiece. The road teams have won all the games. And the uh, Jets trying to stave off elimination at the Fortress in Vegas. They are down. 
Three games to one. Nikolai Ehlers will be a game-time decision, but no Josh Morrissey and no Mark Shifley. That will do it for this portion of our um, show. But coming up, we'll be joined by Rams head coach Mark McConkey, and we will also catch up with Sean Kleisinger live from England. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. CFL, or pardon me, the sports ticker, and it's brought to you by Busy B. They'll repair or replace your residential or commercial garage door so you don't get stuck in or out. Catch the buzz. Busy B doors, the garage door specialist. 1-1 Leafs and Lightning in uh, game number five in Toronto. Leafs can close it out. Devils and Rangers about to get going. And later tonight, the Jets are in Vegas. We're at the Rams Sportsman's Dinner. And after the Red Sox report, we'll catch up with a guy in the NFL, a Regina Ram alum, Tavon Campbell. It's up next here on the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Let's round the bases. Time for today's Sports Cage Regina Red Sox report on the voice of Saskatchewan, 620 CKRM. The Regina Red Sox Report is brought to you by our friends at the Canadian Brew House, also sponsoring today's show. You can check out the new menu at the CBH, and you can also check out their fizzy lemonades. Four bold, full-flavored fizzy choices for you to enjoy. Well, Ben Kamanowski, the local product, is new to Regina as a head coach. He's coming in here from Indiana State. Of course, played with the Red Sox back in 2019, and he tells us what kind of team we can look forward to under his direction. Uh, you know what? Kind of like how I operated my team last summer, man. I just want our guys to play with a lot of energy, a lot of aggression. Uh, you know, I've always said just be the aggressors in every facet of the game, you know, on the bases, have to play it on the mounds. Um just playing loose, having fun, and being aggressive all around. Saskatchewan's best coverage of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders is on the Sports Cage, right here on the Mighty 620 CKRM. What are you? Welcome back to the Sports Cage here from the Connexus uh, Arts Center for the Ram Sportsman's Dinner, and I'm uh, sitting with one of the featured guests tonight. Tavon Campbell of the uh, Jacksonville Jags, formerly of the Rams. How does it feel to be back in town, my friend? Feels cold. Yeah, <laughs> feels cold. No kidding, eh? Yeah, yeah. It's a little bit of a sh- it's not exactly great spring weather. Um, so, OTA start yet? Yeah, OCA started about last week. I'm just coming from Jacksonville. I just got here last night. Oh, yeah. cool, man. Yeah. I, I I was telling before we came on here. Huge Chargers fan, <laughs> and uh, you had a great uh, you had a great uh, career there. Yeah. Uh, uh, memorable games for me. You picked off Joe Flacco yep. for a touchdown. Yep. Tell me about that one. That was, I mean, that felt good. I'm not gonna lie, because that was my old team. I was coming from the Jets that year or the year before, and I I kind of I had to make a statement that game, and I felt like that game was the game to make the statement, and. You know, I had to shut it up with a pick six, first ever pick six in my career in the NFL. So that felt that felt great. The only downside, I think, was wasn't that COVID and the yes, stadium was and empty. There was no one there. Yeah. How yeah. weird was that? Oh man, they had like little fake, um, <laughs> fake background noise, fake crowd noise. Oh my goodness! But it was bad. But 
I mean, I knew people were watching at home, so mm. that didn't that didn't phase that didn't phase you yeah, too yeah. much, hey. And then the other game I remember was, I think earlier that season, uh, mm-hmm. Kansas City. You had a great game in Kansas City at Arrowhead Stadium. Yeah, that was. Um, or was it the year before? That was the year after. Or so the year was, after, right? That was the year before last. Yeah. yeah, you had a great you had a great game in Kansas oh, City. Oh yeah, there. sun was shining, so yeah, <laughs> I had to come out to play. Had a couple of forced fumbles and a couple of PBUs. Yeah. yeah. And what? we shut, we beat him that game. And too. you're probably one of the few guys that could run with Tyreek Hill. Oh yeah, and that's pretty much what I did all game. <laughs> they put me in. I was playing nickel that game, and I think this was the week our nickel went down. And I just learned I'm playing nickel, and I didn't practice nickel all training camp. I went in a nickel. We played nickel the entire game, probably 80 some snaps, and he was running four three every play, and I was just exhausted trying to keep up with him he, he'd come out of play I'd still be in and have to chase around another guy but it was it was good competition that's a that's a very interesting yeah. point too he comes out yep. and you stay in that's yeah. what people don't realize and I'm right? tired I'm cramping I'm, I'm telling the coach listen my calves I can't and I just I come out for one play I pretend like my shoes untied or yeah. something I gotta get a break but yeah yeah I just you know go back in and compete every play you know I'm into you're looking great here by the way thank I'm you, into you. I'm into swag yeah I love the Chargers unis, I think yeah, they're the yeah. nicest unis in the league. Okay. But then you go to another team like the Jags, they got some, know, they got some too. I'm not gonna lie, they got some nice unis. Yeah. Jags got I say the Jags are on top, no particular order. Yep. Jags, yep. Chargers, yeah, Raiders, yeah. And maybe Saints color rush. Yeah. I like their color rush. Yeah. But there's there's some good there's some good jerseys. In Do you team. have a pinch me moment at all? Like I know when you're in it, you're you're battling. Yeah. It's a doggy dog world in the NFL. But look mm-hmm. at you came from the Rams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know Ontario to the Rams yeah. in the NFL. I mean, every day I'm thankful for the opportunity and for just being able to go there and you know coming from the Rams and going to play in the NFL like a lot of guys before me have done, like Brett Jones, Akeem Hicks, yep. Stephon Charles, and. I'm just glad to carry that torch and keep going. And even Jordan, Jordan played in the league. Yeah. Yeah. When you think about it, that's cr- like we're talking about an undergraduate school yeah. in the middle of Canada, winter, yeah. it's cold. Yeah. And look at all the Freezing. guys that, look at the guys that, not just the CFL, but the NFL. And you look at the talent we put out. And I don't know if there's really many other schools in Canada that have put out as many NFL caliber athletes as we have. Because, I mean, we have a lot. Yeah. Do you ever <laughs> get asked by the guys back there where you, where you went to school oh, and everything? All the time. All the time. <laughs> all the time. They have no idea what yeah. I'm saying. Yeah. 90% of the times. Most of the times, the coaches would understand, but that's mostly because they know Akeem Hicks and stuff like that. But you know, they would have no idea. What's Doug Peterson like as a head coach? He's great. He's a great guy. Great um players coach. He's played in the league. So he's a great guy to, you know, take expertise from take learning take um the teachings from and just learn from him and i mean he's a good guy all around just yeah. aside from being a coach he's a he's an excellent guy now he uh, uh henry burris was there he's no mm-hmm. longer there yeah. um it's a business you gotta yeah. earn yeah. your stripes do you think nathan rourke's gonna get a fair shot there in jacksonville i definitely think he'll get a fair shot it's just the quarterback position in the nfl is such a competitive position and like you could ask like henry last year was there and henry's a great guy me and him would talk all the time and even this year when I didn't see him, I, I messaged him, where you at, Henry? But he'll tell you, like, it's a it's a dog-eat-dog world out there, but, like, you got to get in where you fit in. And he has a good opportunity of making the team, but 
it's going to be a grind from yeah. the start. Yeah. 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 Is that bit the biggest thing? It is. It really is a grind. Yeah. Like yeah. from your perspective. Oh yeah, for sure. Especially, it's not. It's not only just like physical, but even just the mental part of learning the game and understanding the game, coming from a Canadian kid and going to the league. It's. It's just. It's a different level. Nah, it's yeah, it's crazy, yeah, man. And it's insane. funny too. It's a small world. Hey, you're with the Chargers. Yeah. The Chargers go up on you guys, twenty-seven nothing, yep, and you yep. end up beating them <laughs> yep. in the playoffs. I'm not gonna lie, that felt great. <laughs> <laughs> that felt great. I, I I was on the team that year. Yeah. And as much as I love my boys from the team and whatnot, I just I could we couldn't go out like that, twenty-seven nothing, and we had to we had to come back and make statement. And I think at halftime we went in, when we went in the locker room, it was. It wasn't the typical atmosphere you'd expect from a team that's down 27. Mm-hmm. We came in the locker room and there's no yelling, there's no screaming. The coaches weren't yelling. Everyone was calm and the coaches looked at us and then like, we're, we came here to play, let's play. Uh, who's your best friend in football in the NFL? Do you have a couple of guys? In the NFL, we got a couple of guys. Keemon Hall, for one. Yeah. Um, Mike, we call him Vato, Mike Davis. Yeah. Plays on the Chargers. Boy, he's sure come on there. Oh yeah, corner, oh eh? yeah. He's definitely improved last year. We always talk, and nah, he's he's definitely hungry. He's he's coming for something. What's it like to go against Keenan Allen in practice? That guy's got some moves. He's a he's a route yeah, runner. He's eh? a magician. I'm not gonna lie. He's he got some magical things going on with his feet that you can't really grasp sometimes, and he'll make you look funny in practice. I don't think people really realize your old teammate, too, mm-hmm. a guy like Mike Williams, mm-hmm. what he can do with his body being that big and contort his body and make mm-hmm. the catches and keep his feet in and everything like that. I don't think people realize how athletic Mike actually is. And he's not hes not a slouch by any means. Like He's a yeah. pretty quick guy. He'll get on you very fast, and that's coming from a fast person, but like he'll get on you, and if he's ahead of you and the ball's thrown decently ahead of you, mm-hmm. there's a Good chance he's catching that ball. Well, man, you're you're an outstanding athlete, a better man. Thanks for coming Thank in and supporting you. this dinner tonight, Thank okay? You. And best of luck with the. I'm a Chargers yeah, guy. But, I, I understand. But I understand. I'm going to cheer for the Jags because <laughs> you're there. I always cheer for you. I appreciate And that. hopefully Nathan Rohr catches on with the club. <laughs> no doubt. Thanks, man. Appreciate, appreciate it. That's uh, Tavon Campbell in town here tonight for this sportsman's dinner. Hey, Mark, jump in here quickly here. Quickly over here. Before we go to break here. Actually, you know what? We're going to go to break, Blaine, and we'll come back with Coach Mark McConkie in a moment. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Our house is your house. Welcome inside the Sports Cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. Welcome back to the Sports Cage from the Sportsman's Dinner here, the Ram Sportsman's Dinner in the basement of the Conexus Arts Center. Michael Ball in the chair. Blaine Wyland back at the station. Show's brought to you by the Canadian Brew House. Just talked to Tavon Campbell. We're talking to head coach Mark McConkie now. Nice to have Campbell and these guys in for this dinner here tonight. Yeah, it's awesome. It's good to see Tavon and Mitch and Jorgen and all those guys that played. And uh, it'll, it'll be cool to hear the stories they have about their times playing in the Ram and obviously their times playing in the CFL and NFL. So I'm really looking forward to it. You know, we're talking to, hey, I love the CFL. You love the CFL. But think about this. Tavon Campbell, Jorgen Hughes had a cup of coffee in the NFL, Stefan Charles, Akeem Hicks, 
Brett Jones, and John Ryan, all from this school. It's crazy, man. Yeah, it's uh, it's actually pretty unbelievable. And I know you, you talk about it all the time. I think we need five statues of those guys outside the U of R, uh, right in front of the Rams field there. So, uh, I mean, it's something I could be working on for sure, but well, I'll keep it quiet to myself. But, yeah, uh, yeah it's, it's pretty incredible. A little small little giant has put five guys in the NFL, and maybe some more. You never know how a guy like Varga translates at the yeah, that's level. Yeah, that's great. And let's talk about Ryder Varga for a minute. Not just a great athlete, but a smart guy. Get the President's uh, Award. Yeah, he's he's the poster boy for the U of R, uh, especially for the Rams. He's one of the best defensive players to ever play. I know we've had some really good players, but re- of recently, he's been incredible. Super smart engineering degree, got a uh, engineering diploma while getting an academic called Canadian, and he's going to do great things in the CFL. He would have made it last year, but he came back to finish school, and I think he's he's got some talent. He's got the speed. He could be like an Alex Singleton that plays probably three, four years, and then maybe looks to go down south. So I really hope he keeps developing and keeps learning, and he's got a chance. How about... Um Jackson Ford, who's uh, been talked a, a lot about, we know his last name, but uh, and we both know him. You're the coach. I've I've been in his circles, coached him uh, spring league and things for a long time, but he's really matured. He's been outstanding, and I get the more and more we get closer to the draft, I get all the scouts calling me, and he he ticks all the boxes that they want to see. He's physical. He can play in different positions. He plays special teams. He doesn't take plays off. He's smart. He he checks everything off. So teams are really excited about him. I think he'll get taken higher than people may think. Uh, on May 2nd, whatever it is. Do you use a lot of, when you're recruiting guys, because you're, you're a small market team, let's be honest, you're undergraduate, you can't offer the same thing other schools can, so that's something that you're behind the eight ball. But do you use the Hickses, the Campbells, the Hugheses, the Pickens of the world when you're recruiting? If you want to play next level, we're the school to come to. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you just look at Can West as a whole conference. Like, it's the top conference, and then now, okay, how do we differentiate ourselves from Calgary, from Saskatoon? Well, we've put more guys in the NFL, so that's a draw. But again, that's not a draw for every recruit. Some kids are okay not going pro. They just want to get their degree and win lots of games and hopefully and get to a Vanier Cup. So it really depends on who you're recruiting and what's important to them, but if anyone says going pro, that's we, we pounce all over that having those five guys and even just the number of guys we've had drafted in the last few years and we just keep pumping out guys giving guys an opportunity to play pro if they want to so it's pretty cool 500 people here tonight it's a big fundraiser now the thing going down at sfu i mean i don't know if i want you to you want to weigh into that but what i'm getting at here with this line of questioning is how much has it made you your coaches everybody associated with the rams and i guess people that support the rams appreciate what we have because when you attack one of us you attack all of us absolutely i mean you never want to see something like that like i I feel terrible for the kids and then i put myself in that that coach's position to just have your program ripped away and your job your livelihood how you provide for your family so my heart goes out to the program i feel terrible um again i don't know the ins and outs of what exactly happened there and why and if it was funding or if it was this but uh, I hope to see them back, and I mean, it'd be great to see them in Can West. I know they haven't officially applied for that, so I don't know if it would happen this year, but I mean, there's lots of great players that now don't have a home to play, so your heart goes out to those guys, but I'm hoping Can West and U Sports can figure something out if they do truly want to join the, um, the U Sports level. I know a lot of their alumni want them to, but it has to be the institution itself. You'd be more than happy to welcome them in and give the kids a chance to play if they had an opportunity. Yeah, it'd be great. I mean, the OUA's got 10 teams we've only got six so we play two teams or three teams twice and that's you kind of get bored playing the dinos and the huskies over and over over. maybe not the huskies but the dinos (laughs) yeah yeah, yeah. um but in order to play another team like when i first came to the rams we used to play sfu it was great so we played them for two years then they moved to naia or whatever it was so uh, i think it'd be great for the league but again i know there's 
always costs with it and you have to yep. think about everything as a whole and it's obviously not my decision to make but I would, be, I would definitely be okay with them joining our league. Do you like your schedule? Came out, you got a uh, an exhibition game against Manitoba here, UBC comes into town and then you go to the U.S. right away. Yeah, it's uh, it's exciting. I had uh, one of the alumni text me. He's like, how come you guys have the hardest schedule? I was like, what do you mean? He's like, you play all the playoff teams twice. Manitoba, U.S., UBC. And I said, I wouldn't want any other way. So we're excited. It's a challenge ahead of us. We lost a lot of great players on defense. So now we're going to lean on the offense a little bit more this year and um, kind of see what we can do on defense. And just fight. every game is going to be close, just like this year. That was my next question. What What is the plan for defense? Because when you talk about Varga and, and, and Jackson Ford and such, those are big holes to fill. You don't fill those right away. No, you don't. Those are those are tough, tough fills. And again, those guys have developed over time. They started their first year. So it's going to be a bit of a rebuild in that, some of those spots. But we got guys that we recruited while we had those guys ready to take over when they left and now it's their time to shine so we're gonna have to have some guys step up in those positions so we're excited to see this weekend at spring camp we got all the new guys coming in so i'm excited to see all those new guys come in and how they step up yeah talk about that spring camp you hit the ground running that's got to be nice and the weather's kind of turning now which yeah, is great it, it's not bad there's no snow on the ground yeah that's right good yeah those bc recruits might not come back if they get <laughs> snow on the ground that's right um, but yeah, we're excited. It's, I love spring camp. It's the first time you can see all your new recruits come in. We know what the old guys can do. We know what Pelche and Varga and those guys could do. But now it's like, okay, let's see this Roden all-star D-lineman. Let's see the quarterback from BC. Let's see all these top recruits that we sign. Let's see how they stack up at our level and our speed. So that's my favorite part of spring camp is just to kind of see our new players, see what uh, what skills they have and how we can develop them and just go from there. So talk about this uh, quarterback from BC you just mentioned here. Yeah, Owen Simon, he's uh, he's outstanding. He's one of the top quarterbacks in Canada. He was recruited nationally by lots of schools and I was uh, I, we got a little bit ahead of the curve. I flew out to see him and his parents play a 7-on-7 seven -seven game about last year, about this time. Uh, sat down with them, talked about the program, really started developing that relationship and then from there we just kind of we hit it off. We had a great relationship and we just stayed in touch. We brought him in on a visit in August. He loved it. He likes the school. He likes the small faculty. So again, we had the faculty that he wants. He likes the small campus feel. Like That was a big thing, a draw for me. Um, and obviously, he had a good rapport with me and that's ultimately what it came down to was he wanted to come play for me. He wanted to come play for our program, our coaches, a guy like Frankie Gray, Josh Donnelly, all those types of guys. So he uh, he just fell in love with Regina when he came and we're excited to have him. I'm excited to see what he can do this How weekend. did you sell yourself? Like what? How do you sell yourself? Well, I always tell him I was a slow possession receiver and uh, <laughs> no no at the end of the day it's just I don't even talk too much about myself I just talk about what I do for the players and what's my philosophy and just tell stories about what we've done for the players and how Josh Donnelly came in how Noah Picton was here and you just talk about the past and from there you can just kind of get to know me a little bit more that's one thing I don't like to, I don't like to talk about yeah, myself but it's part of the job and you got to do it but it's more just like what do we do as a program that differs us from the Huskies and us from Calgary and it's the player support whether it's academically player development and just even like taking care of guys helping them find houses to live helping them find jobs some programs it's only football so we as a small university competing in the big can west we got to do the extra stuff and that's what i think coach anderson and myself do a great job of talked about the bc guy coming in here what about the guy that's there already noah pelshay talk about him for a minute yeah we're excited he's uh yeah i think he had a good first year for a yep. future quarterback but now it's it's go time now we want him to take that next step uh, he's going to the rider camp. He's going to be part of that quarterback uh, apprenticeship program. So excited for him to go learn from a guy like Trevor Harris, uh, learn from the rider coaches, some of the best. So we're we're excited for him, and he uh, he's he's going to have a good net year next year. We're going to push him a little bit more, put a little bit more on him, and 
uh, the expectations definitely risen from what he did his first year. It's great to have Trevor Harris in town here today for this. Uh, as a football guy, how excited are you to see what he can do for the Rough Riders this year? Yeah, I'm excited. I know everything with like Cody, how it kind of had a bit of a falling out, and he left, and that's great. I think I think it was kind of a new a new face for the program. It was probably the best thing for the Riders, and gets people excited about it, gets you excited about it, gets people talking, and that's what people want in Saskatchewan. Like you know, there's people are crazy about football here, and they want to see someone take the team to the to the uh, Great Cup, and I think he can do it. He's he's, he's proven. He's mature. He seems like a great team locker room guy. I'm excited to see what he can do with the Riders. You don't like to talk about yourself, but it was a great year for you as the permanent guy. How much of a confidence booster was that for you? Yeah, it's good. I mean, it's winning and losing. It, it's it's not the biggest thing. Obviously, you want to win in football, but there's more to it. But yeah, it's nice when you can. Let's just say my wife would agree that I was much happier during the season this year than I was in 2021 when we lost all those close games. So it was a nice year for us. We really set the tone. We had our first win in Calgary since 2003. Like, that's not very good. So we're starting to do things that we haven't <laughs> done in the past. We had a home playoff game. But now that's the bar. So now we got to keep building that. we got to be in playoffs every year. we got to be the Dinos of old. They were in the playoffs every year. They were winning the West every second. You're like, that's where we want to get to. And now the Huskies got to have that title, and now we got to go build up to where they are and take that from them. Yeah, for sure. Um, in terms of uh, this season, um, what do you have a motto? Do you have a do you have a, a, a theme when you hit spring camp or? Or anything like that where you're going to carry it over for the whole year? Yeah, we haven't come up with our uh, season theme yet, but our, our motto in the offseason is the same. It's always like head down, be quiet, and just work. Like At the end of the day, you can always outwork your opponents. Yeah, we came 5-3 and three in second place, but we didn't win the playoff game. So we're, we're good, but we're not that good. So we got a lot of work to do. We lose a lot of good players. So it's the same motto. Just put your head down. Let's just work and get better and grind. And that's our big thing. Our season motto will be a little bit probably different than last year. I usually let the captains come up with it and kind of work on it together. We haven't, haven't nailed that down yet, but it'll be uh, something about kind of like going from good to great, something like that. Like we had a good year, but now we got to keep yeah, going, right? Exactly. And lastly, a word about uh, we talked about this dinner, but just the support you're getting from the community. Over 500 people here tonight. Uh, it's great to be out of the pandemic now, finally back to kind of normal, and it's good for the Rams. It's a big night. Yeah, it is. It's a big fundraiser for us. It's great to see so many uh, ex-Rams, Rams alumni coming here, parents, recruits coming. It's just a great event. It's one of my favorite events because it's right around spring camp time always too. So uh, we're really looking forward to it. Um, again, we got some great speakers. I'm excited to hear those guys talk about with the Rams and the pros and just the difference there and just talk about their football journey, and that's what people want to hear. So really excited about it, and uh, it's going to be a good night. Did you bring recruits here, by the way? They're all here. Yeah, we introduced them all. We got about 25 guys to bring across the stage. I'll try to do it as quick as I can. I'll have to talk fast like you. <laughs> Talk better than me. Coach better, too. Thanks for your time, Mark. That's the head coach of the University of Regina Rams, Mark McConkie. As, uh, yeah, we're getting set for the dinner here tonight. Tavon Campbell, Jorgen Hughes, uh, Theron Churchill, uh, Mitch Pickton, and, of course, uh, we have Trevor Harris here, too. Just saw, uh, saw him walk by, so we'll uh, talk to him when it's... Um, Time to talk to him, and uh, we're hoping he joins us on a pretty regular basis here on the sports cage. Uh, time for a little update there, Blaine. What's the score in that NHL game? Is it it's one-one? Looks like Leafs and the Lightning. And just uh, the Rangers score. I'm just digging it up at the What's last. That, Blaine? I'm just digging it up. It's one-one still after one between the Lightning and the Maple Leafs, yeah. and the Devils have a one-nothing lead over the Rangers. Nice. Okay, so uh, Devils trying to become the first home team to win in the series uh, I had the Rangers in Boston in the West 
and I had Colorado Edmonton or Rangers Boston in the east Colorado Edmonton in the west but uh, the uh, Avalanche are in trouble do you think the Avalanche go down uh, I think they battle back and force a game seven I think I'll go to seven and you know what it wouldn't surprise me if Seattle turns around and wins it in game seven I wouldn't either. I, I, I hope that happens for our buddy Jordan Eberly and Jaden Schwartz, two friends of the show, two local guys. That'll do it for our time here from the uh, Sportsman's Dinner. want to thank uh, Blaine Weiland for operating back at the station. Tomorrow, Colson uh, Schultz will join me. We'll be joined by Chris Ackie of the Montreal Alouettes. We're also, well, he's retired now. We'll be joined by Glenn Suter, that and much, much more. This has been the Sports Cage for the Canadian Brewhouse. We'll talk to you tomorrow.